Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Three Pointer Podcast. I'm Brent Clemmer, your host. With me today, as always, Brennan Beck, Luke Erickson, and Justin Bridges. We do have a little bit of a different setup today. Justin is in person with me. Um, looking pretty good, though. It'll work. We'll we'll get it done. Once again, this is a podcast, so you guys enjoy the visuals, but it is more about the audio, per se. Uh, Brennan, what's going on today, bud? Uh, not too much. I'm doing well today. Thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good, man. Uh, Luke, what's going on today for you? Oh, uh, not too much. Just living with the sunburn I got from golf over the weekend. It fair hurts. enough. Yeah, fair enough. Bridge, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, I noticed the sunburn. Uh, yeah. not, not a whole lot. Just, uh, just hanging out. Just hanging oh, yeah. Out. I was going to go long this time because Beck went really short, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah I noticed Beck went short. Yeah, you this, noticed that, eh? Short this time. If you want me to, I can go on a little spiel. But no, it's no. really okay. We'll get we'll get right into it here. Um, okay, so basically today we're going to be talking about uh, some of the news from around the league. Obviously, the Sixers. Uh, we are on a Philadelphia-based network, and the Sixers are kind of a big deal to. Well, yeah, you could say that, but we're going to talk about <laughs> what we think they need to do. Um, what the fuck happened in that series against Atlanta? There's a certain uh, number 25 that's probably going to be discussed a lot. Yes. There's a hot topic uh, there, and that guy is the point guard. I'm really hoping that Jake Long's going to show up. We'll see. And Yeah, so talk about that. Talks about some of the other series, too. And then uh, get into some of the worst contracts in the league. Um, so, yeah, let's just start it off with some of the news, Beck. You want to bring up our first... First little bit of discussion. Yeah, so uh, something cool coming out of the NBA today, just a little rumor. Uh, Becky Hammond, a longtime assistant of the San Antonio Spurs and the first female assistant in the NBA, is now a finalist for the Portland Trailblazers head coaching position. Wow. Uh, she becomes the first female finalist candidate, uh, which is really great to see. Uh, that's obviously. awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's great to see the NBA moving Maybe that's what Portland that. needs. Maybe, maybe that's the piece that they're missing. Just a change of tone, eh? Yeah, honestly, like maybe the, honestly, a lot of the, a lot of teams are really good, and sometimes a coaching change is just what does it for them. Yeah, we've we, seen, we've it, seen before. it before. Yeah, we saw it in Toronto with Dwayne Casey. Uh, Dwayne Casey, obviously having great tenure in Toronto, coming out, Nick Nurse coming in, different bit of philosophy, different voice. Really was, I'm Raptors. just going to say there was something else that happened there, there uh, in the addition of Kawhi Leonard, but there was, yes, a certain individual who arrived in Toronto and uh, ultimately helped carry the team. But there were a lot of guys there with uh, bad playoff experiences, too. And, you know, uh, Dwayne Casey being the guy to lead the team through that. Sometimes uh, things like that can uh, can weigh on a team and especially on its players and sometimes their faith in the coach. Right. Absolutely. I was just making a joke about Kawhi being the only reason yeah. the Raptors have to No, but Nick Nick Nurse did do a lot for the Raptors. And you see it you yeah. see it every year. You see a coach like just rally a team and bring them together. Like the Knicks coach. Like there's he won coach of the year, did he not? I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, Tom Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah. like he like that was a huge like people forget that was a huge deal. The Knicks haven't been to the playoffs in like 2012. Hadn't had a winning season Mello. since 2013. Like yeah. Man. yeah. No, yeah, that was that was Mellow era, yeah, Ryan Mellow. Yeah, yeah, that so was pretty up, crazy. <laughs> yep. Uh, I guess moving 
moving on, yeah, uh, the Phoenix Suns are hopeful of an early return for CP3. Uh, they feel as though it is more likely that he clears protocol sooner rather than later. Uh, obviously, protocols being 10 to 14 days or a few tests negative. Uh, we're still unsure if he's vaccinated or once, twice not vaccinated. Um, do, they, do they think he's going to be back by the end of the series? I think I that's... That's what it sounds like. Yeah, well, they, they won without him. So, like, I can't imagine the, like, they play game Monster two tomorrow night, right? Bucker, yeah. Well, they, it's, that's been a constant. This whole playoffs has been fucking insane performance. Yeah, but this, this was Bucker. a little bit above. This was his first triple-double. Yeah, but, like, yeah. this is, like, his, what, fourth 40-point game of the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah. Third or like, yeah, fuck. A, he needs to, if they want to win this series without CP3, he's going to have to play like that almost every night. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we've seen he can put the team on his back, right? I definitely yeah. think he can steal a couple games while they wait for CP. He stole the first one. Um, yeah, no, he definitely can steal a game. I mean, I think CP three coming back, and maybe Kawhi if he was to happen to come back, those are going to be the big deciding factors of how this series turns out. If one of them comes back and one of them doesn't, it's going to be really like I, I don't want to say lopsided, but it is going to be lopsided. Um, Beck, you might want to mute your mic there, bud. Um, <laughs> Pardon but me. yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I think is that it's that's how it's gonna go. Two big factors that could possibly decide the the series, right? I mean, the, arguably the best player on both teams is out, yeah. or most not best, but most important. Mm-hmm. It's certainly probably true, and we've seen it through uh, game one that it's. The Clippers rely more on Kawhi than the Suns do on Chris Paul. And it's clear because Kawhi is the best player on his team. And ultimately, I'd say Devin Booker is the best player in his. Yeah, I would too. In the series, right? I, I agree I with that. Too. I don't so, think that I don't think the CP, the Phoenix Suns missing CP is as big of a deal as the Clippers missing Kawhi. As we clearly saw, as we clearly saw in game one. I mean, yeah, yeah. but like. They literally almost lost to the fucking Jazz. Like they came within one game of losing to the Jazz. Like, but they were they they were a thirty point comeback. Like yeah, it took like a it was 30 a point comeback. It was an insane game, but like they were close to elimination. They were not like comfortable by any means. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, it's yeah, really yeah, turned into. It's really turned into just sort of a uh, a race between who's going to come back. I know Kawhi's status is a little more unclear. But obviously, Kawhi's return would swing the series in a huge way. Definitely for, for the uh, for the Clippers, as would Chris Paul coming back to the Suns, right? Because yeah. not only is that someone that puts up a majority amount of your points, that's someone who locks down Devin Booker. And yeah, yeah. that's two different. That's two different pieces to both teams that are really key for both teams winning. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think Kawhi Leonard has a bigger impact on the series, but that's still too. It's yeah, CP would too, but not as big as Kawhi. Yeah, idea. absolutely. I mean, they're both they are kind of both similar players in their respective positions. I mean, they're both kind of defensive and offensive at like two-way players. Um Chris Paul's a great defensive point guard, on-ball defender. Um Kawhi's obviously one of the greatest defenders of all time. Um in, in saying that, I, I I think I think with Kawhi out, the Clippers have done a really really good job of rallying and stepping up for him. No, they have for sure, but like especially they, Terrence Mann, Paul George has the like pretty much just got rid of that entire playoff P mantra that was behind him. 
Um, I mean, that's passed on to, as Beck would say, Porzingis. Um, uh, he made that joke the other day. And I think it's fucking Ben Simmons now. Playoff yeah, but uh, Pill- yeah. Playoff Pandem- B. Pan- pandemic P, man. There's always pa- got to be one now. Pandemic B. Pandemic B. Yeah. Uh, moving on and sticking with the Suns, uh, Suns GM James Jones was James Jones was named the exec of the year. Uh, obviously, the biggest Jones. award in the league, the most, oh, the most, yeah. the one that people wait for. Probably like the most, le- not say most legitimate award, but that award's more voted on by your peers, right? Like that. Honestly, fair. Yeah, no. See- but if you look at it like that. I'd much rather be voted on by my peers than by a media who takes a more neutral neutral so viewpoint. So, Beck, right? Beck, what you're saying basically is you'd rather win Executive of the Year than MVP. Is pretty much what you're saying. I mean, you know, I'm gonna go with the classic <laughs> yeah. response and say I'd rather win a title. I bet there's a lot of Executives else. of the Year in the in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, um, Hart James Harden played through a grade two hamstring strain. In the series, that just came out. Uh, we know that the Nets kept that under wraps for a while and that he did have a reoccurring. It was a reoccurring injury uh, from the regular season. So if anyone was looking for an explanation there, there you have it. And he's still, he was still putting up 20 points. No, he wasn't. No, he was not. No, he was not. No, he was not. He played back where he was playing. He dropped five points. Scored five game. He scored five points, Justin. Five points in, in game one? six. Yeah. Five think, points. I think game seven, he had a little more. Like, I'm looking right overtime. now. I want to say it's under 20. I can tell you right that. now, James Harden was on the court for one Sorry, reason he had and one reason only, and it was, to take, it was to take attention away from uh, KD. KD. And it worked to an extent, right? I think it kept them in the series. Because yeah. if, if they only had to worry about KD and Bruce Brown offensively, I mean – it ultimately ultimately came down to fucking kd not bringing his foot back and then the bucks just took them out in in overtime like overtime wasn't even close it came down to kd's shoe being a size 19 and not an 18 kd's big feet are the reason the brooklyn nets lost championship lost the fucking totally 100 but i mean he had a couple fucking like like in overtime, he had a couple shots that would have tied it or put them up to with the lead with under a minute left, yeah. and he bricked like all of them. Yeah, there were there were several situations I think on both sides where he uh, he choked a little bit. He choked a little bit. Like, I guess, it's hard to say you choke when you have a forty-eight point game. Like, he played yeah. fucking lights out, but like in the shots that mattered to win the game, he he choked a little he, bit. Yeah, and, he just wasn't hitting them. And it's like it happens. Like it's basketball. That shit happens. It's just. Guys don't shoot eighty percent from the field. Like no, it's not like expected to hit I, that shot necessarily. Exactly. Well, when you're Kevin Durant and you're the the guy, and it's overtime in Game Seven, you you kind of do expect him to hit the shot. You expect if, him to if, have if the that, better chance. If that was MJ, time. if that was MJ, Kobe, LeBron, you would expect them to hit the shot. So. Yeah, and but they've missed game winning shots too. Yeah, but that's that's. I'm just oh, yeah, saying. Like I said that it happens, but it's just. Yeah, it's unfortunate. it's unfortunate, but I don't think it speaks to KD not being clutch. So, what is what what clutch has he done in his career? Like, well, like I'm not saying he hasn't won championships and MVPs, but what like clutch shots have his he made that you can remember, like off the top of your head? Besides, because because well, I can think of like six for Kobe, LeBron, and MJ. KD hit the game five dagger 
for the Warriors in the 2018 title game against okay. the Cavs. That was, but let's be honest, that was an absolute wash. Yeah. Um, but going back to Luke's point, and I have to agree there, we've the most clutch instances we've seen from KD have come from this past series. And yeah. I think if you're ranking some of those shots, like we have obviously what he did in what was it, game five? Game, yeah, game five was it where they won in Brooklyn and yeah. he played all 48 minutes and 47 he's, point triple double. He put that team on his back. He, he's yeah. never been known as a clutch dude. He's been known as a dude who puts up a lot of points and like is the guy that scores a lot of points on your team, but he's never been known as a clutch guy. He, he's he's a guy that you know that if you need a bucket, you can go to him. Of course, he's a walking yeah. bucket, but like he's never been known as clutch and he has never done much. I don't think he's ever really career. been in a position to be clutch other than this last series. No. Like, not as how much. many finals has he been in? How many playoff runs has he been in? Like, how many like, game sevens has, have, has he been in where there's been an instance? Where, it doesn't even like, have to be game seven, it could be any game in the playoffs. It's still clutch, it could be regular season. It could I know, but you clutch. remember the like, you remember the big game seven buzzer beaters as clutch you remember you like clutch shots you just don't remember them because they're not as great as let's say mm-hmm. mj hitting the shot Kawhi, the Kawhi shot shots like that you just don't remember them because it, there's another game after if they lose it doesn't but matter if kevin durant was a guy that has hit a lot of those shots he'd be known as a guy who hits a lot of those shots and he's not okay let's say but it if, if KD had a I'm not hating shot, on KD I'm not his, saying KD's not a great player KD hit that last shot would that have been a clutch moment? Of it's course, I wouldn't. I would not be saying what I'm saying right now because the the Nets would still be in the playoffs, and that would have been like the probably the clutchest moment of Kevin Durant's career. But Kevin, but, the, so far, uh, the clutchest uh, moment of Kevin Durant's career, I believe, was the game be- when they won in Brooklyn, when he played probably. all 48 minutes and put that mm. team on his. And back. that's what I'm saying. Like he's been in the league for how many years now, and his most clutch a- moments are coming like now. Yeah, there's like, there- over his career, he's never been known as a clutch dude. Doesn't mean he's a bad player. He's just not a, not known as a clutch player. There's there's something to be said though about like making those fourth quarter shots and having those opportunities to win it. But what Durant did in Game Five, that's still clutch. I'd totally. say there's a there's a clutch element to what Kevin Durant did in Game Seven. Like he, yes, there wasn't like when the epitome of clutch comes out, Kevin Durant didn't really step up to the plate. But 48 points on that team in Game 7 against the Bucks is still very much close. I guarantee well. you, if you ask Kevin Durant if he would have rather missed every shot in the game but hit those last two to win it or or if scored his 48 and done what happened, he would choose scoring like four points any day of the week. Because like yeah. clutch, play, clutch players hit clutch shots no matter how many minutes they've played. And we've seen think, that time and time and again. And I think he just couldn't the, other thing, the other thing you're referring to, Luke, in terms of clutch uh, – and we've talked about it before. We talked about it last episode. Is that Kevin Durant has always been at his best when the stakes have been not the highest. Exactly. We've, when he has no stress. When he's in a low stress situation, that's when Kevin Durant yeah. does his best work. As as much as KD wants to be the guy, and that's the reason. That's a large reason as to why he went to Brooklyn because it was always the Warriors and KD. Uh, like, you know, the fact that he is now that guy that that clutch factor becomes more is more under the microscope. So I think there's a bit of like an impartial view there. I'm not going to say Katie's not a clutch player. I'm not going to tell you he's on the level that you, someone would say Kobe would be, but look, all those guys, all those clutch players in history have missed shots. I just think on the biggest stage, Kevin Durant hasn't like, hasn't if done Kevin, that. Kevin Durant wants to be a top five, top 10 player, whatever the fuck, 
the a top 10 top five player makes those shots no matter like he wasn't he wasn't heavily guarded they don't make, they don't like, make all of those shots no but in game seven shots. in the playoffs you make those shots how, how many shots them. did kobe miss how many shots did jordan miss not a lot to, in the playoffs to, not to a lot of high games not it's a lot more with, than you think you just don't hear about it because the ones that they do hit are a bigger deal Exactly. So if KD had hit those shots in his career, it'd be a less big of a deal because it's all oh, he just missed a couple of shots, but he's never been known as that type of guy. And he was put in that role in game seven and he couldn't do it. And that's all the point I'm trying to make. And you can't disagree. He, he didn't true. do it once. Name one. Yeah, that's all the, the point I missed. That's all the point I'm trying to make. He's never been known as that type of guy. He got put in that situation. and he couldn't do it. That's all the okay, point yeah. I'm trying to make. And it's right. I think it's I, I, I disagree with right. you because I, I feel like he's being put he hasn't been put in those situations where his back exactly, which means much. he's not known as a clutch player because he's never put in clutch situations. There's a reason for that. I think you can be I a clutch he... player without hitting buzzer beaters. It's not even buzzer beaters. It's just fucking like game but... six just makes him a clutch player. Then it's one of the greatest playoff performances of all time. Folks, I get what I... you're saying, bud. But if remember when they played the Raptors and KD came back and he had what 14 points or something in yeah, however many minutes. minutes? five minutes or something stupid like that and then he got injured again like the raptors were not winning that game if he was still playing that was in the first quarter of that game yeah but that, does, that doesn't define it as not clutch clutch is in fourth quarter the game is that's, four, that's 14 points in the first first quarter yeah but if he like, had played that whole game that was a completely did they did, did the warriors lose by more than 14 no, but if he had stayed in and played the rest of the game, oh, it would have sure. been completely different. Sure, but like that's hypothetical. It didn't happen. He got injured. It happens, but like that's hype. You can't like argue with fact with hypotheticals. I think, I think one thing that, and I think there's two, there obviously is two sides to the argument, but Luke, there is there is much more to yeah. Has Kevin Durant not always performed in the most clutch situations? Yes, but at the same time, and many people will say it, and I say it if is that if I want someone to get me a bucket, I'm giving Kevin Durant the ball. Like, it's that simple. And there is a clutch factor to that because Kevin Durant, more often than not, does get you buckets when you need buckets. But did he get you the bucket, in, like, buckets in the fourth quarter? Technically, so he did. This game. He threw it in overtime the, and then just couldn't do anything in overtime. Yeah. yeah. E even that, other, that's still clutch. And they, they were outmatched at that point. Harden's playing on one leg. Kyrie's out. That, that's not a super team. KD isn't a super team with an injured Harden. You're right, other, but if he wants to be the guy that carries the team through that, and he wasn't. Yeah. I think but you can't thing, expect anyone to carry the team through that. Many players have won championships doing that. I, I really don't think so. You can if, think that I don't think you, I don't think there's a team in history where if you take the second best – the two second best players. Kevin everybody. Durant is the best player on that team. I said the, oh, sorry. the two second best, like the, the okay, two. the number two and three. If you take Pippen and Rodman away from Jordan, does Jordan win those championships? He, he won two without. Oh, sorry, he won. He won two without Rodman. I'm talking about all of them though. Like, like the whole team. Like, like does sorry. The question should be: Does Jordan win six championships without Rodman and Pippen? Probably not. Okay. So the other the other point that I was gonna make before you stepped in there is that we saw the last time we've seen we saw Kevin Durant be the guy, game six clay happened, and then game seven happened at Golden State. So there is that to it as well. 
And then we saw KD play his best basketball after he left the Thunder in a position where he was the guy and play his best basketball in a setting where you think he, he was the guy on that Warriors that. team? No, no, yes. not on the Warriors team, on the Thunder. Oh, yeah. He was the guy yeah. on the Thunder, yeah. Yeah. The year before he left for the Warriors, they were up three games to two in OKC, and we all know what happened in game six, game six clay. You know, yeah. And there is a clutch factor there when you have two games to close it out and KD is your guy to get a bucket. And they couldn't do it. Well, and they lose, right? And they lost. Because you yeah. don't remember at the end of the day, when you look back on the series, you don't remember how many points the player scored. Do you remember if they hit the shot or if they if they impacted the game? They remember who won the game and they remember why they won the game and what players made them win the game. OK, and so if, when if, you think when you think of that game in Brooklyn, then that game five in Brooklyn where KD put that team on his back. But no one thinks they, about you remember five. people think about the game seven that they lost. Yeah, but you can't blame him on the game seven that they lost when his two co-stars are. I never said that. I never said that it was Kevin Durant's fault that they lost. Did I say that? I, once? I, just, I just, but you're saying that other players would have carried that team through. Which do I, I think, think that other true. players could have would have made those shots? Yeah, I do. But that doesn't mean I think it's Kevin Durant's fault that they lost. If all three of those players had been in, they probably wouldn't have lost. But like, I mean, like, if, I think KD brought them farther than most players would have brought them in that series. Yeah, I disagree. I do not. Disagree. I disagree. If you take it, if you're going for players in the league right now. In the league right now, he never said that on that team than KD. He said, "Did he never said in the league right now?" No, but I'm just saying, like right now in the league, if you were to substitute KD for anyone else, who would you pick? Well, that's it. Well, that's a different discussion. That's not really the point. But at the same time, that's a different discussion. That's a different different discussion. I don't think Kobe drags that team through Game Seven. I don't think Jordan does. I don't think LeBron does. I disagree. I think to, I think 2016 LeBron does. I think that Maybe. 19 1990 fucking four Michael Jordan does. I think 2000 and fucking eight nine or fucking oh one Kobe does. I think yeah, Blue but Gaines, the, the thing about does, that like, is they didn't. Have, I think I think Jordan any nineties version out. of Jordan does. When when yeah. you have two co stars and that is your team, when you have Kyrie and Harden playing on twenty five percent probably. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant has always had to rely on, like, not rely, but he's always played better with other players. And then you take those other players away, and he fucking can't do it. Everyone does. That's the whole point I'm making. Jordan doesn't win six chips without Dennis Rodman and Scotty Pippen. But it's one game. We're talking about one game. We're talking about one game here. Okay, but it was seven games. That was a series. He brought it to seven games. How did Steph, how did Steph do with Clay and KD against the Raptors? Like they lost. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. Against the Raptors. The Raptors didn't have any business winning that championship. Clay went out in the finals, did he not? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Clay went out in game six. In game six, he played five games, bro. Yeah, he was so there he for had a majority co- of so the Curry series. had co-stars getting him to that game six. And KD did it by himself to game seven. Kyrie played like the first seven. game. Harden played Kyrie on 25%. Did, or, Collectively, yeah. they played less games than they played, or didn't play less games than they, or didn't play more games than they played. Yeah, and that team, like, okay, who's the best have... player on? Who's the best player on Brooklyn? Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Yeah, and Beck made the point that in overtime, you're if you have the ball, you're going to Kevin Durant, and he missed the two shots. It happens. he missed two shots. Yeah, and those were the two shots to win the game. They're the most important shots of the game, and he missened them. It happens. It doesn't but mean he's fucking... not clutch and he's not the guy. He got them to game seven. 
and he lost. And now yeah, the by fucking... himself, you uh, that team doesn't even. If you take KD off the floor, th that's not a series. That's not yeah. that doesn't even go to overtime without KD. That speaks to the clutch. KD missed, sure, he missed two shots at the end of the game, but you have to respect the clutchness of what he did the entire series. He put that team on his back through that series. I think we're 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 thinking about clutch in two different ways here, but no, I, I, I get what you're saying with hitting that last shot. But if he shoots that again, he might hit it. Jordan didn't hit all of his clutch shots. He missed them more time than he hit them. That's a fact. Yeah, but game winning shots. Yes. He definitely hit more than he lost. In the no, playoffs, in the true. in the final, in the finals. In the finals no, or in the playoffs. Remember the ones that he missed when he could have won. That's the whole point I'm trying to make. Everyone's going to okay, remember so the two shots that Kevin Durant missed, seven, and no one's going to remember the entire seven, series he carried them through. And that's how many what that, seven that's the point play? I'm trying to make. I don't fucking know. I don't know. Do you know? More than Kevin Durant. I don't know. No. The Bulls yes. went to game seven one time against fucking the Pacers. In, when they won championships or overall? Just overall. I don't actually know, to be honest with you. So Jordan played three game sevens in his career. And how many how KD many did played? KD play? I'm going to say four. That's my guess. Four or five. Yeah, I'm saying three. Kevin Durant has played in four game sevens in his ah, career. Okay, so one so more. Is, is that is that counting the game seven where he played fifty uh, five that's, minutes? Sorry? That's oh yes. yeah, yeah, that is counting yeah. the games. Yeah, so but you, you were but, well, you said that he made a impactful impact in that game. Apparently, yeah, he did yeah he did the five minutes. So that counts. Played. So that counts as a game seven, then, does it not? Not a that full he game in. seven. Yeah, but um, okay. Right, so my, him, my, so my whole so argument is that he's being put in situations that he's had to be clutch less than Jordan was. Well, you just heard that he's been in the same amount of game sevens, apparently, or or one more if you count the one you played fifteen minutes. Okay, in. but okay. The other uh, the other part of that question is how and many how, of those and back came down back to the wire? back. Yes. How many of how many of those game sevens did Mike win versus KD? Mike was three and zero in his game sevens. And how? What's again? What's KD? Three and one. Really? That's yeah, the first game seven one. he's ever lost. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, KD oh. played. Well, that's how, oh, how's that possible then? Because they lost that one game to the Raptors, and then they lost. That last was night. Game, game Six. Game oh, Six. True. Oh, so he didn't even play in Game Seven. So we didn't no. even play in that oh, Game okay. Seven. Oh, that doesn't God. even uh, doesn't even apply. They, that no. series didn't even go seven. They won it in six. Yeah, six that, that's. Seven. I think that's oh, why we yeah, thought it was did, Game Seven because that's the yeah, that's why game they won it. No, I yeah, that sounded right to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he went with one with Brooklyn, one with OKC, and one with. So and one with the Warriors. Okay. Let me Luke, let me break in, in your opinion. Here. How many game winning shots do you think Michael Jordan hit in his career? In the playoffs or overall? Nope, in total. Hmm. I'll give you an over under 50. Under probably. Okay. Over under 25. Right on 25. over. Over, but not by much. Right Nine. on 25. Stop the cap. In his in his whole career, nine game winning shots. I don't think that that's true. In, that might be in the playoffs, not in his whole career. I don't think that's true. No, the, uh... You're probably looking at buzzer beaters because I will. Sorry, yeah, up. game winning buzzer beaters is what I was getting at. 
Well, I never said buzzer beaters, man. I just said game-winning shots. I just said game-winning shots. They don't have to be buzzer beaters. 25. You're you're right, Beck. I know you Googled it, but... Yep. And then how many does KD have? Kevin, Kevin Durant has five game winners in his career. Buzzer beaters, probably. No. Game winners. Yes. We'll, we'll clarify Are you that. hammered? Give me clarify a break. That. How many like game winners, not buzzer beaters, just game winners? Yep. Game winners, five out of 14 attempts. There you go. How many attempts did Jordan take? Because if you're going to Kevin Durant has already I, I, played two more seasons than Jordan. Yeah, but it's the percentage that I'm looking for here. So if he's five for 14, what was Jordan? Let's say he was 25 for 38. There's no chance. That's my guess. There's no way he shot 55% in the clutch. I'm sorry. At game winners. We're not in not yeah. like game winners. I, I get that, but at the same time, but, Jordan, uh, but that, I, I get I that Jordan's more clutch than Durant. I'm just saying that Kevin Durant is clutch. Sure, but he's not clutch I mean, to the point. What, what, what do you like? It also depends how you define a game so, winning shot. Here. The so, last shot of the game that wins the team the game. That's what I define okay. the game winning shot as. So listen, Kevin Durant has had 14 attempts at game winners in his career, has hit five. That comes out to 37.5%. And Brent, your numbers actually match up in what you said with Michael Jordan in that Michael Jordan has what is now considered a modern day game winner. He has nine, but he also shot 50% on his game winners and was nine of 18. Okay. I, I never said KD was more clutch than Jordan though, Luke. That's not my point. No, but my whole no. point was that a player like that would have made that shot. And Kevin, you've said before, Kevin Durant's not top 10. He's not top, and that's a part I don't of think, the reason. No, I never said Kevin Durant's not top ten. I just think you're think underestimating his clutch ability. I think, I think if what you he can if, carry teams through games, and he can put up a staggering amount of points. And I said that at the start of this argument. But when it comes down to clutch time, game seven, hitting sh game whatever the fuck, hitting shots to win series, he couldn't do it, and he's never been put in situation to do that because he's never been the guy that's been relied on to do that. And when he has, he shot what? What was it? Four for what? Sorry. Four for Five 19. Five out of 14, sorry. Five for 14. Like, but that, that last shot isn't the only thing to define clutch. That's not that's, that's but not I'm what not, clutch is. Oh, that's the okay. You can't tell me that's the definition of clutch. A clutch okay, Clem, you're, you're right. You're right, bud. Okay, you're right. Let's move on. Okay, okay, whatever. Um, I don't really care. I'm just telling you that that's not the you definition clearly of clutch. Clearly do care because you're still talking about it. In because you're wrong, you're giving the wrong definition of clutch. Look up the definition of clutch in basketball. It's in the Beck, last eight minutes. Where do you think so the Sixers went clutch. wrong yesterday other than the Sixers? So, listen, the definition of clutch in clutch time or crunch time in the NBA, known in the NBA, comes in the last five minutes when the point spread is under five points. That is clutch time. Five minutes? Right? Yeah, five minutes. I, I when, when the point spread is five points or less. Yeah. That's right. See, I thought there, there's a couple different like and that's variations. Exactly. It, it can be eight minutes with ten points or less, which uh, I have heard. That's why I said that. Okay. Where are you reading I, that off, Beck? That's just a, my general understanding of clutch time. I but, agree with no. I agree with you. That's why I'm asking because like that's what I'm thinking when I talk about clutch. But but you're talking yeah. Kevin Durant's not good in those situations. So, 
he I has never been put in those situations. Then he got put in that situation and he no, fucking couldn't. But do your it. whole point is that he's not clutch because he doesn't hit the buzzer beaters in the last shot. But he's no, still I never, good at you those keep moments. saying, but you keep saying buzzer beaters, but I never said buzzer beaters, man. You're like, sorry, last shot. Take buzzer beater out of the equation. Last shot is not the only shots taken in those minutes. Kevin Durant, without the, without the without Kevin Durant, the Nets aren't in that position. They don't have that last shot. But they Kevin the Durant's overtime. Was, for, how long is the overtime? Five minutes. So the entire uh, overtime. Over, the entire overtime was considered clutch time. He had like three opportunities, couldn't make any of them. What was Kevin Durant's percentage in the in in game overtime last night? Since we're gonna still talk about this. Oh God, I don't know. I didn't even know we were going to go here, guys. Neither did I, but, but I've tried to move on. But All right. So, listen, I have for you a list of 20 of the greatest clutch shooters of all time. All right? And I will scroll through the list for you because I already can tell you that I haven't seen KD. All right? I didn't say and... KD's a top 20 clutch player of all time. I just said he's not not clutch. And I never said he wasn't clutch either, but I said he's not clutch to, the, to that. He's not clutch no. to that. I'm, and that's I'm not what saying I said. he's as clutch as MJ or anything. And that's all I'm trying so, like. What's so your listen, argument? Let's just move the fuck on, man. I'm over this. Kevin Kevin Durant, as according to Fadeaway World, which is obviously just its own media page, has Kevin Durant ranked seventh of all time in clutch shooting. All right. He's higher in playoff win shares than Curry. He's ranked ninth in compared to Curry's 11th. Uh, Durant's postseason stat line, obviously improved now, uh, is – oh, sorry. I'll read this off for you instead. Game 7, Durant averages 33.3 points on 55% shooting. Yeah, All right. He's fucking amazing. But my point he being is, is that he doesn't play well in crunch time, and he hasn't. Like, he didn't – and he didn't last night. The entire game 7 is crunch time. That entire game is – like We literally just heard the definition of crunch time. Like – I was – I get that, but Game Seven is still playing that entire game and putting that team on his back to get it to overtime is clutch in itself. Is my point? Okay. Which, if you can't agree with that, you're not seeing okay, my Clem. side of it at all. Okay, I'm not Clem. saying he hits the big shots the last second okay, meters, but the game-winning shots so, necessarily. But you can't say he's not clutch. Hmm. In the playoffs, in clutch time. Are we in clutch line? Yeah. So in the clutch here, Paul George obviously played the most games in the clutch. Highest field goal percentages this season in the playoffs. Did you say Paul George? Yeah, Paul this George. Oh, this season. Nine games. Okay, yeah, this season. Nine, this in this season. season. In clutch time, Paul George has played the most games with, with nine. Um, I can't find Kevin Durant here for... Actually, if I go back to games played, maybe I can find him. I'm just trying to find his field goal percentage in clutch games in this postseason. Kevin Durant, four games in the clutch, 40% field goal percentage in the clutch. It's not bad. No. Not, not, no, not bad. League average field goal percentage this year is 49%. In regular time, all things considered. But you, but so you it, have to also consider the fact that he's the only person of attention on that court. Yeah, no, he certainly garnered more attention. But this was also the most 
clutch of situations for him to perform. And obviously, he didn't perform up to a similar standard of Jordan. And that doesn't mean he's not clutch. He's just not on that echelon. And that is the I never said he, he was. To get to. And that was my entire point. My entire point was that Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, I said from the start, Kevin Durant's an amazing player that has carried teams through series and he scores more points than anybody and all respect Kevin Durant deserves, he gets from me. But when he is the guy in clutch time, he couldn't do it last night. And he has never been put in that situation before because he's never been that guy to hit shots in clutch time when the game's on the line and he couldn't do it. And that's the whole point I was trying to make. And I don't know why we've been talking about this for 25 minutes now, but. You can agree. We can agree yeah. to disagree. Yeah, sure. Agree yeah. Disagree. So, kind of following the the tense the tense subject there a little bit. Uh, it's rumored that Kemba Walker and Brad Stevens had a tension filled relationship in their last season, which doesn't surprise me. All things considered, of Kemba, mm-hmm. I think a lot was expected of him uh, replacing Kyrie, and ultimately we did see that you know Kemba wasn't living up to a billing when they traded him. Right? Yeah. 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 The Celtics basically, you know, came in. Uh, Kyrie left. Kemba came in. Similar price point. Similar expectations. Shot creating guard. Obviously dealt with his own injury ailments in the past uh, with his knees this year. But what do you guys think? The Celtics ended up trading Kemba, the 16th pick, and a 2025 second for Al Horford. Moses Brown, the 2023 second from the Thunder. It's good on Boston's end. Like Al Horford's contract is pretty shitty, but like second it's round picks. Better than nice. Kemba's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's less of a cap hit than Kemba's. Partially guaranteed at fourteen point five million for next season two, which is huge because that only kicks in if the Celtics end up making the NBA finals and then further on if they win the chip. Yeah. So yeah, I mean so. obviously that I think the Celtics want to see themselves as championship contenders. I don't I, think I don't hate still, that. No, I think there's still a lot to be done, though, for them. For sure. I I also think the other problem with that deal is, as much as I do like the deal, I am a fan of it, it does block Robert Williams. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the same time, the counter-argument is where else can could the Celtics have gone, acquired a similarly bad contract, because we know that's it was swapping a bad contract, uh, and get, say, even a guard. Right, because Kemba's probably their best bet as a guard on a bad contract. I didn't even know they could make trades until playoffs were over. Yeah, so their playoffs yeah. are over. Yeah, so technically their season, yeah, it, it's their, their, their off season, season right? It's the like the off season market that, obviously isn't huge yet, but like it is the off season for most teams. Yep. The other thing too to think about as well is that I and this is my understanding is that you can make trades like as a non-playoff team however these trades won't come into effect until the new league year yeah essentially it's basically it's a, your off season like yeah it starts whenever you're eliminated yeah yeah unless it's a draft day trade and you're trading picks like this trade won't be finalized until, until the, the new season. league year yeah exactly yep. so I think I think I don't know what Moses Brown's going to look like. Uh, that's another one I really like that pickup. But then again, Robert Williams, right? So yeah. That, but also that twenty twenty three second from the Thunder could turn into what could be a late, an early second round kind of pick, right? Which turns in similar to a late first rounder. So I think 
you know, all things considered, I liked it. I don't know what else they could have done, you know? I, I agree that their their backs were kind of up against the wall and they had to do something. I just, I'm not a huge fan of the trade. I, I get where you're coming from, and it was a good trade in this situation. I just don't think it was a good trade necessarily overall. No, like they probably traded the best player in the deal, right? Yeah, and that, we, we've seen how that works out in the past in every sport. I feel like they definitely mm-hmm. could have held on to Kemba and waited a little bit to see their options a little more. But mm-hmm. I guess with the circumstances, like – they got what they got, right? Yeah, I have a I have a pretty strong feeling as though there was also some desire from Kemba to get out of that situation too. I think there was yeah. a lot expected of him, and I think it was a little premature. And I yeah, think- I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I don't think Kemba's necessarily that guy that can come no. in and change a team and make them a contender. Um, there's yeah. very few players that do that. Um, and Kemba, obviously, I don't want to say he's over the hill in his career wise, but he's getting there. He's getting to the point where he's not, he's not doing what he was doing in Charlotte. No, It doesn't look good. Does it? And he spent most of his insane years in Charlotte, which kind of sucks. Yeah. He, he kind of yeah. wasted his career away a little bit in Charlotte. He's obviously a mm-hmm. great player. Um, but you know how it, ha- is. It, ha- it happens. Right. Yeah, it, it's simply a matter of changing expectations, and that Kemba was the guy in a situation where not a lot was expected of that franchise, and a similar impact was expected in Boston, where expectations were higher, and simply it, it couldn't happen. Yeah, right. He just didn't, for reason didn't meet expectations. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Nope, and it happens. I I think he'll do well in OKC. I I like it for OKC because they weren't playing Al Horford to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they sat him down for the rest of the year, which, I, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I'm not a huge fan of it. Unfortunate for some deeper leagues, obviously. Um, but I, I think bringing in the young guys and giving them the reins a little bit and let them develop as much as possible was probably the right move um, mm-hmm. from from a franchise statement. Obviously, OKC is going to, in about five to ten years, they're going to be a very, very strong team. I think we've talked yeah. about that before. Depending but, on those sixth graders. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the sixth graders, they've uh, they've got lined up for in picks already. But um, we we know there's going to be a lot of really really good picks. Yeah. We've also seen what like we know they have a good drafting history. We saw the 2012 team that they had a little bit ahead of its time. We've also seen re- more recently uh, the impact that Chris Paul had on a guy like Shea. I think Kemba's yeah. gonna have a, a similar, not a similar impact, but he'll have a he'll be very helpful in Shea's development in another way. But I also think too, like we saw what Chris Paul was when he arrived in OKC and what he was billed at. It was a dump. You know, it was a you know, he was being dumped because of his contract. And yeah. ultimately what showed that he still had it, elevated that team and found himself in a better situation in OKC, you know, with a brighter future because of that trade of Chris Paul. And I think that's, I think that's what, I think that's what, uh, OKC is banking on here with Kemba. I think yeah. Well. They're going to try and do something similar. Um, obviously they get them, they get probably the best player in the trade, but I'd say he is the best player in the trade as of right now. Um, and they're really, OKC is really not losing that much because they weren't even playing Al Horford. So mm. that's really just a matching contract almost. Matching salary, 
Um, yeah. Which obviously is necessary in a deal like that when you dump someone like Kemba Walker, who's got a massive contract. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. I, I don't love the trade. I don't hate the trade that much. I, I, I think it's really what they could have done in that circumstance. And it's in the circumstance, yeah, it, it, you got what you got. And you can't really be upset with it. No, exactly. Um, so was ahead. that another point on Kemba or? No, I actually, I was about to, I was about to move on, but have you got something? No, I was about to just transition it into what this episode is about. Uh, yeah. Mainly. Um, obviously last night, the 76ers were defeated by the Atlanta Hawks in game seven of, uh, <laughs> what is not exactly the, yeah. not exactly what we expected. I don't think many people had Atlanta beating even maybe the Knicks, not less, no less, uh, the 76ers, the number one seed in the East. Um, obviously Atlanta played pretty well. Ben Simmons played like absolute fucking dog shit. Um, I don't expect to see Ben Simmons moved, but I, I kind of want to get your guys' take on that. Um, starting with you, Beck. Let me let me say a few things about this Hawks team and then about this Sixers team because I was really intrigued by what I saw and I wanted to dive into it. So I want to get your guys' takes on some of these things too. Uh, so simply, like flat out, we know that there was a huge reliance on some players in the Sixers. And it simply comes down to, so I've got a winning formula, but I've also got the most basic stat, which is bench points. Atlanta outscored these guys 42.4 to to 28 in bench points every single night. Which is crazy because that's a crazy stat, especially considering the Sixers were considered to be a really deep team. Yeah, for all the work the Sixers put into their bench, acquiring George Hill, like drafting Matisse Thibel, drafting Tyrese Maxey, these guys who were supposed to be spark plug type players, it didn't work. And it was clear. In only one game did the Sixers bench actually score. Oh, sorry, no. In one game, the Sixers had more guys with 10 plus points. That's it. One game. Yeah. So the Sixers, it's so clear because they've been trying it and they failed, but it only became more apparent with obviously what happened with Ben Simmons is they need guys who can create their own shot and take the load off Joel Embiid. It's very simple. It's it's kind of time that that experiment failed. Yeah. Um, I I really don't think, I I don't think Ben Simmons is the best fit for that team. Um. He could go a couple places. I don't. I I personally think he'll be back in Philly. Um, I don't think they're going to look to move him necessarily. But he's not going anywhere for at least a couple of years. He doesn't have the trade value either to make the Sixers a better team without the Sixers exactly. sacrificing too much at this point. He everyone else in the league doesn't value him as high as Philadelphia does, and that's cutting no. out a contract that no one else is going to take on unless he gets better and gains also- more trade value. It's also come to the point now where as good as he is on defense, because we know what he is on defense, his liabilities on offense now outweigh what he does on defense. Yeah. It's blatantly obvious. Absolutely. I mean, five points. Are you fucking kidding me? Not even that. He shot the ball four times as a point guard. Yeah, that's brutal. He went 33% from the free throw line as a fucking point guard. 
Like, that's atrocious. In the seven games that they played in the fourth quarter, five times Ben Simmons did not take a single shot in the fourth quarter. Dude, he either needs to switch to small forward or fucking learn how to play basketball. Because, like, the fact that he's a point guard belittles me, other than the fact that he's a really, really good defender. Especially in the – especially a fucking – he's, like, one of the only – like guards in the league that can defend at the rim or he can defend in the perimeter. But that doesn't yeah. mean that that doesn't excuse a point guard to shoot the ball five times and score fucking four points. Like it's no. in a game seven. That's fucking it's it's, atrocious. And, and if anything, the one thing that Ben Simmons has gotten credit for most offensively in the league has been his playmaking ability, but it's simply gotten to the point where more and more often it's simply Ben Simmons making the right basketball play. And it's not creativity or like fakes or anything like that because we no, know Ben it's, Simmons it's just... isn't going to – it's a kick out because that's exactly what you're supposed to do and they make the shot. And the reason he gets so many assists is because he's in that instance so many times. Now, I can't say legitimately once that Ben Simmons got an assist because he was a threat to score or appeared as though he was going to score and simply move the ball. It's very, very seldom. Dude, the Hawks weren't even defending him on offense half the time. He literally had a wide open dunk in front of Trey Young and fucking passed the ball off and they missed the shot. Like, yeah. He's two Trey Youngs. He should be able to slam the ball on Trey Young and he didn't even fucking do it. He just it's, made eye contact and shed the ball away. A Trey Young on the other side of the restricted area. Dude, ben Simmons is. I'm sorry, Philadelphia fans. I know you're probably feeling the same way I am. He's a fucking joke right now, to be honest with you. Like, we're regular yeah. seasons, regular season, whatever. But that entire series, he was a fucking joke. Like, he needs to change yeah. to fucking small forward or power forward. Yeah, he's too small to be a power forward. No, he's not. He's six he's ten. Not, he's not height wise, but like he's fucking. He's not like he doesn't have a lot of fucking. He's not like built like a power forward. I'd say he'd make a good small forward. Either think, or though, like, depends on the team I, he plays on. I've heard things too about like Doc Rivers and the coaching, and I know I've made jokes about like Doc Rivers coaching on Last Chance U and <laughs> all this stuff, like blowing leads in series. But look, this one is more blatantly obvious than ever that Doc Rivers took seventy-two games of this year's season and made the 76ers work. It was pretty clear they made it work, right? And now with 72 games under his belt, heads into a series against the Knicks where they don't have to score much. Well, sorry, not the Knicks. Uh, who do they play in the first round again? Uh, who? Who did, who did the Sixers play in the first round? Uh, oh, put me on the spot. Wizards. Like that's, the Wizards. That's Wizards. Yeah, the Wizards. The Wizards. Wizards. Listen, listen, Ben Simmons did exactly what he needed to do against Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook one of those nights, and no one thought anything anything of it because the Wizards couldn't score enough other in other places to make the Sixers keep up to them. The Sixers really set the pace in that series. But in a series where you're playing arguably the deepest team in basketball in the Atlanta Hawks in nights where they had four or five or sometimes maybe even six guys going for 10-plus points in the night and you have Trey Young shooting the ball from half court, the Sixers need to score the ball to keep up with a team like that because as good as defense is at this point, Offensive players are just better and are going to score. Joel Embiid does not give you enough offense to carry you through a series. No, And you make a great point there because I'm actually, I'm going to bring this up because excluding game one, the Sixers needed Seth Curry 
Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid all to score 20 plus points. All of them, three of them to score 20 plus points. And the whole team, the rest of the team needed to shoot 35% plus. That is a lot to win a game. That doesn't happen every night. No, and that is borderline that is borderline inexcusable for that to happen every night. I because agree. we saw we saw it happen. We saw game 4 happen where our probably the Hawks most dominant game and Embiid shoots 17 on 20% and Curry goes for 70 and they lose by almost double digits. Like don't get me wrong, they kept it close and their defense was good. But that was a game That's the only thing that remotely kept the minute was their defense. Yep. But even like they weren't, they weren't, they got in like ha- more than halfway through the series. And guys like Gallinari and that ginger dude, I'm sorry, I can't remember his fucking name. Kevin Herter. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Herter. They were heating up and the Sixers just didn't defend them. They just left them open and well, didn't Trey, trust Trey Young didn't to get even them. play great in that game. No, because fucking no. honestly, if anybody on that Hawks team has upped their value tremendously, it's Gallinari. Gallinari has been playing lights out the entire playoffs, and he's been a huge reason they've had so much success. Like he, they were they're leaving these dudes just unguarded because they like they aren't realizing that they're heating up, and then they're just torching them. I think yeah, I think the the best the best way to look at it is when the shot clock wound down. The Atlanta Hawks really, if unless it was Clint Capella, really didn't care who had the ball in their hands, and they were confident that they could get a good shot. I, Whereas, yeah, totally. And you look at a team like the Sixers, they don't run plays for Seth Curry. Seth Curry is a catch and shoot JJ Redick type player. Totally. So you're not putting the you're not putting the ball in his hands. But he's capable and, of so much more than that, though. No, absolutely he is. Like you we've seen what his brother does in an expanded opportunity. And I'm not saying he's he's Seth he's Steph Curry, but he's he's a relative and he has got a guy who has shown an ability. I think that Seth Curry would have a lot more value if like Steph just wasn't like a player like if he just never went to the NBA and never picked up basketball, I think Seth would have a lot more value because I think a lot of people compare him to his brother in a way. Yeah, I think I think that also bodes in his favor too because you see. Yeah, like, yeah, it could work both ways. But going back to the Sixers, you see, like in lesson beads in the low post. Yeah, he shot a career high from three, but do you really want Embiid shooting step back threes or fade no. like sixteen foot fadeaways? Do, do you want Joel Embiid as your number one offensive option? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. like, like, yeah, but do you like without any shooters around, without any reliable? I, I don't want him to be my number one shot creator. Exactly. But I want like, him, to, I want him to be my number one option on offense. That's more what like, I meant. Like, do you want him to be the guy who's taking your fucking mid range three point shots at crunch time? No, no, you don't. No. So, in saying that, what I like, in my opinion, maybe it's just me. I think there's some guards they could get that even if they're not even as good necessarily as Ben Simmons is supposed to be. Could, could hypothetically, would that make the team a contender? Yeah, it's addition by subtraction. Like simply, simply put, the guy who's the guy who has the ball in his hands the most, besides Joel Embiid, is a black hole, and can't yeah. bail out Embiid. And we saw it. We saw Embiid wear down because there weren't guys who could wear like who could make those shots. Don't get me wrong. Tobias Harris, like eighty percent of the series, had a great series, like twenty plus points. But this guy is now your now your second option. And we saw in the past against the Raptors when Jimmy Butler's there, he couldn't be a third option. He couldn't shoot well enough to be a third option. I think Tobias Harris is overstretched in his role. Tobias Harris is a really good third option playing in a second option role. Thank you. And that's exactly it. 
And frankly, I think there's like I think the Kyle like I think Kyle Lowry I think the Kyle Lowry trade like they should have done more. I'm not saying that Kyle Lowry would be the the solution to all of it, but Kyle Lowry would be the guy who you could put the ball in his hands, you could throw Ben Simmons down in the post as a power forward, and say, okay, if shot clock comes down to it, we're not going to have Ben Simmons roll to the dunker spot and have him hand the ball off because we can do other yeah. things. So. What I wanted to bring up is obviously the K-Low trade was kind of talked about quite a bit at the deadline. Um, he ended up not getting moved, obviously. But there's some players that I I have kind of thought about that would be kind of perfect in Philly, even if some of them aren't really necessarily glorified superstars. Some of them are. Um, my first one I have, I'm just going to go with a hot one right off the bat and Bradley Beal. Nope. You don't why Ben Simmons because, for Bradley Beal is that what you're saying? Because ben I'm not Simmons, saying one for one. So no, listen, listen. I'm not saying one for one. Not even the Wizards don't. No, no, not even the Wizards wouldn't give up Bradley Beal for like. Well, okay, but, who would they? Listen. Who would the Sixers be giving them with Simmons? Okay, so the other thing is that you have to take in is that Simmons does have a decently high ceiling if he can figure out a shot. We don't know if that'll if. happen or not. That's a big if. But, but that's the Wizards aren't in any contention anytime yeah, soon. Like, but that's also a big if, and that's their franchise player. They're not just going to – that's their probably their biggest bargaining chip, and I don't think they give that away for anything that Philly could offer them outside of Joel Embiid, to be honest. I think I think the other thing, too, you have to think about is they're stuck with Russell Westbrook. They're stuck yeah. with a guy who is more established at doing what Ben Simmons does and ultimately does it better. And So look, he's on my list, too. Ben Simmons – Ben Simmons is one of those guys where you have to construct a whole roster around him in order to succeed. Very similar yes, to what Giannis is in Milwaukee. So my, yes. So my point is that a player like Russell Westbrook, he's older, he's kind of dwindling, but Philly's championship window is closing. Mm-hmm. They have they have a couple of years, but Joel is not the most healthy guy in the league. No, that could so ultimately, I say Philly's got two, maybe three years of prime Joel. I think the Ooh. other thing, I think the other thing too, like Joel's hey, not going to age into his thirties, but like isn't going to age well into his thirties, especially with the body and the size that he has now. But we've also seen that Joel Embiid is simply so physically dominant the way he plays now that it's not like. Yes, it demands a lot of his body, but at the same time, if this dude's just going to like lumber around in the post, I have a good feeling he can do that with relative ease for a good five, six years. Yeah, I think without a career-altering injury, he plays at least another five years being yeah. productive. Yeah, and I think, I think you're right. I think they do have a title window, but I think Ben Simmons is going to maximize that title window, and I think that might be the way they look at it. Despite it could be, yeah. I, I, value, like they, I said, they, I don't think Simmons is going to get moved. I'm just saying, no. hypothetically, if he was going to, I'll, I'll just give you my list right now, and you guys can bite it. All right. like you guys can bite down on it and let me know what you think. But I got, obviously, this one's not going to have a whole lot of necessarily availability um, because the Bulls just went all, kind of went all in in hopes to be contenders or at least above mediocre in Zach Levine. I don't. Oh, you think? Uh, I don't think that the Bulls would do that. To be honest, 
I think I think if Levine goes to them and says, "Look, like you, I know you guys have tried to build something here, but the rest of this roster just isn't good enough." Yeah. Uh, then, I, then I think that's a situation. But I think the other thing too. These are all is, hypotheticals. I, I'm not no, saying no, no. this is going to happen, or I think this is going to yeah. happen. These are just moves that I think could help the Sixers in the long no, run. Abs- absolutely, but it comes to a point where Simmons. We all know Simmons. Didn't tank his value, but he hurt his value significantly. Significantly, this yeah. guy went from being, hey, um, like you know, Daryl Morey calling the Rock and saying, hey, Ben Simmons is on the table. What else do I need to get it done? To now, like, okay, let's get Ben Simmons and like maybe George Hill off this roster in order to just get two guys who better fit around Joel Embiid and can yeah. be more responsible offensively. Like he has taken that much of a hit to his value that I think if you were to look at someone like even Bradley Beal or in a dream scenario, Damian Lillard, the Sixers are throwing the farm and whatever valuable bench pieces they have out the window to make that happen. The way I look at it, I don't think that a Ben Simmons trade is possible for, for two reasons. For one, Philadelphia values him. Like Philadelphia values him here, and the rest of the league values him probably like here, like a good like halfway more than they do. So I don't think that one Philadelphia is going to get an offer in which they think they're getting enough for Ben Simmons, and I don't think that there's a team out there that can give like can give Philly or that wants Ben Simmons yeah. for what Philly is asking for it. No, absolutely, I I totally agree with that. I, with I, that being said, the Boston Celtics. No, really? is, is where is is where I would like to see him go if he were to. Okay, go yeah, I, I I would like Simmons on Boston. I Boston has nothing that Philadelphia could benefit from. Benefit. I don't. From. I don't think any yeah. team has anything that Philadelphia but, would take. So I'm just throwing out yeah, teams I'd yeah, like to see him on. Hear me out on this one. Malcolm Brogdon. And TJ Warren, I have that yeah. too. Malcolm, yeah, the six the Pacers would be terrible, but like. I mean, but if anything, the Pacers are the team that's like there's there's a few teams and I I hope we talk about it soon that are like middling teams that really need to blow it up and bank on something and go in a new direction and I think the Pacers is one of those teams. Yeah, you're I right. Think the, I think the Blazers are another team. I don't think that backcourt works. Uh Th- that's I, my other one is McCollum. So, and that was that's another one I had McCollum and Covington for Simmons and Hill. Yeah, I don't but, see Simmons and and I don't see Simmons and Lillard working together no. well. It's not I Simmons. Wanna, and I don't think. I don't think Dame would stay if no. Simmons went there. No, you I think. think that, he, do you think I think Dame would go somewhere else? It won't be Philly, but I, I don't see. I don't think they'd work well either. They could, because Simmons and Nurkic yeah. would be. If you put Simmons in the as a four with Nurkic at the five, I think that would be kind of gross. Personally, I I would like that. Honestly. Honestly, we're at the point where Simmons, like, I think honestly, like, unless we see a miracle next year, Simmons' dream of being a point guard in this league are gone. It's, it's he's, over. he's not a point guard. He can't. No. There's no way you can play the way it's he plays. It's facilitating, sure. But we've By seen way, small, we've seen small forwards and power forwards facilitate better yes. than Ben Simmons. Like, that, that's what Jokic. I'm saying. That that's my point is that Ben Simmons would good be a pretty decent facilitating slasher. At the five. Let's see it at the five. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't care. Ben Simmons, no. ben Simmons he won't is one play of the center. few players. Ben Simmons is one of the few players in the league that can defend one through five. One through five, and yeah. I, 
And I think, and I think we've seen it in Denver that it can work. And I think that would be the best situation for Ben Simmons it to facilitate. Now, then again, like, yeah, put him at the four. Nikola Jokic, Nikola I say Jokic put him at the three or the four. Yeah, but what five? What five are you pairing him with in Portland that stretches the floor enough for him to go to the dunker spot? Because Nurkic, that's Nurkic's spot. That's why I say go to the five because that's where that's where a five lives, and that's the only position in which a guy can survive in today's NBA is a non shooter Yeah, but when he's at the five, when Ben Simmons is at the five and he's going against Joker or well, Joel see, how or Giannis, I see it working, like, like what I see it, what I see with that is that Ben Simmons, if you play him at the five, you have to play a massive dude at the four. True. You, totally. You, like because Ben Simmons the, is going to be the guy likely that's Yeah, but Yeah, he, but he's not big. Like he he's tall, he's, also not, he's not big. Ben Simmons is going to defend against small forwards and point guards and shooting guards. Exactly, because he's quick. They're not he can win. defend They're... one through five, but if you have Ben Simmons on your team, you don't want him guarding no. a center. You're not wasting his defensive talent at the five. You're putting him at least at the four or the three. I think, I think, but I think we're at the point now where his offense is so bad that you have to compromise a little bit of defense. His offense is the... bad, but it's not playing at I center bad, at least not yet. And because player, he has to be a slasher and he has to back. figure it out and he has to become more confident. But he's not a center. He's not no, someone that would there, succeed there, being no. a center in the NBA. There's no, no world. But... There, I don't see any world where Ben Simmons could play center. No, me neither. Because those guys are much stronger than Ben Simmons. I find it hard to believe that Gordon Hayward plays power forward. Like He plays small forward. I thought he's played. He plays for some of the four sometimes. No, because uh, Miles. I think PJ Wash. No, PJ Washington slides to the four, and then Cody Zeller played the five for the Hornets. Right. But that's just that's my take on it right now. In this current iteration of Ben Simmons, is that in order, like, yeah, as good as he ideally defensively one through four, you like that. You like that guy in just about any matchup one through four. But look, his his offense, and it's clear is at a point where it is so bad, like so bad that if you pair him with a guy who wants to be in the paint like Joel Embiid, we've seen it doesn't work. And if we could pair him, like if we're going to say, you know, go to Portland, Nurkic is even worse. I'd say the Celtics, like, you know, besides Horford, who also isn't exactly the pristine stretch five. That he, that I, I, I like work. Horford yeah. at the four. Horford I would like Ben the four in Philly, and that didn't work. But that's yeah. why I like if if the Celtics could bring in like a Nurkic type guy, I would like the the Simmons, the Simmons, Jalen Brown, and like I don't know what their fucking starting five would be actually because they have fucking Jason oh. Tatum plays the four. Yeah, they'd have Jason Tatum at the four, Ben at the three, and then I would play I, I would play Tatum at the three. The problem is Luke. Yeah, the problem is Luke. Is that in your in your explanation about why Simmons trade won't happen is, and I feel this way too. There is no way that the Phil, like the Philly fans let the front office live if Jalen Brown isn't coming back. Facts or or fucking Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, is, that's that not never and exactly, but that's what Philly fans expect, and the but organization they yeah, expect. but now they don't. Now now they've lost faith in Ben Simmons, but the front office hasn't. No, but the front office hasn't. And, and the, the front, front office, office has the front office has made their bed, and they're not going to let him yeah. go for anything less than they value him. And no, no team in the NBA is giving them that because they are in a position where they every move they make is to try and get better. 
And exactly. there's hardly a situation where they get better if Ben Simmons is off the roster. Right and, now, yeah, because they would yeah. have to trade him for like not nobodies, but not not what Ben Simmons yeah. gets paid to be and not what people think Ben Simmons is. I so think, but, and I, back to the like so I don't love Malcolm Brogdon personally, but I think in the right situation he could be a really, really good guard. He is a good he, guard, he's just inconsistent. He's just what he's one of the best plug and play options in the league. Yeah, and we've seen it in like in Indiana in in spurts where he's had to increase his role without Oladipo, without Warren, and he had his best season to date in an increased role. But we also saw Malcolm Brogdon join the 50 40 90 club when he was in Milwaukee, and his responsibility was simply to be that secondary creator. I like him in Milwaukee. Imagine if he was still yeah. there with Drew and fucking Middleton, that would be disgusting. That would be, yeah, that would be ridiculous. Would I don't know, ridiculous. like after the Drew trade, I I think Malcolm Brogdon would have had to been would have had to be sacrificed. Yeah, in order right. to bring it wouldn't Drew have back. worked. It wouldn't have worked the pay. But it's the same thing as saying like, what if Jimmy Butler still played for the Sixers? Like, yeah. it, it it wouldn't have worked, but it would have been fucking insane. Yeah. So one more, I have one more Simmons trade for you, and this is, I. I don't know. My bias thinks that this is probably. And like, we know what, now. We know idea. what's coming. Simmons for Siakam. No way in hell Philly does that. I don't, I don't think the value. Really? No. No so, way in hell Philly so does that. Let's let's talk about it this way then, because we've seen George Hill as the name attached to Simmons' name, and George Hill is playing on a big contract similar to Al Horford. Not in terms of like it's not twenty million odd, but it's it's a large sum, but it's partially guaranteed. So that's an avenue for the Sixers also to say, look, we're gonna give you George Hill. Uh, ben Simmons ceiling obviously higher than Pascal Siakam's. I don't think that's an argument. Um, no. But then they say, look, maybe they want like maybe they want Gary Trent Jr. or something, and they want to pay foot the bill on his next contract. And if I'm the Raptors, I say, look, like it's time for the Raptors to realize what they are and what they are as a team that's trying to milk out something that's not there anymore. And Simmons fits the Van like fits Van Vliet's timeline, but also provides them with someone who in has the physical tools and is a jump shot away from being that not a Kawhi level guy, but being a force in the NBA, a two-way force to be reckoned with and getting into that echelon. And I think that's the thing if the Raptors want to be competitive, need to bank on. And if anyone's going to get it out of him, it's their system. It's their player development system. Yeah, I, I think I think I think I don't think the Raptors win with Ben Simmons though. I don't think so either, but I, that's not Beck's point. I think I think for Ben Simmons, like I think that's you're taking the Raptors have always traditionally tried to play with a five that shoots. We've seen it in Ibaka and Gasol, and even they tried with Baines. That failed amazingly. Miserably. Yeah, but even like Chris Boucher, like we we saw Chris Boucher can light it up from three. Like that provides – that I don't know. That just provides the best kind of environment for Ben Simmons to oh, there he succeed is. offensively. Hey, no, You're damn right about that, Jake. Yeah. He's a bum. You're even more right. Yeah, you missed it. I was. I've been. Sh- we've been shredding him all yeah. for the last like fucking probably half hour now. We've just been shredding I, Ben Simmons. I, I, I totally agree. I just think for Ben Simmons to become the best player, that might be the best situation. 
I don't think yeah, it's the best situation for the Sixers. Him to a market, sending him to a market that's not going to do well and maybe put him in a situation where he has to step up and score. And not and has, to learn, has to learn how to be a, like a solid player. Yeah, mm-hmm. how, like where he has to to even but win that's, any games. But that's a lot of money to pay a player if you're developing him. Like, yeah. but even Pascal, Pascal is another one of those stories where they're paying a. But Pascal's rookie. a lot younger though. Not really. Is he Pascal's, not? Ben Pascal's Simmons is younger 20, than Pascal. Yeah, Ben. Ben Simmons is like twenty-seven. Really. I yeah. thought he got drafted like two years ago. 2016, no, no, no. but he spent... He Justin, spent, you would... <laughs> Never mind. Pa- Pascal got drafted in 20... It was the year the Raptors had two draft picks, and I think it was 2017. Oh, and shit. Pascal had spent three years in college at that point. So he got drafted So he got drafted a year after Simmons. Yeah. But spent more time in college, obviously. Right. So he's old, way older. 27 versus 24, I want to say. It's a three-year difference. Yeah. Is Simmons 24? Yeah. yeah, Simmons is 24. He came into the league at 19. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but like I don't – and Jake's totally right when he says that, that no one's going to – Simmons cannot be the guy on no. the, on a championship team. Simmons I don't even think even I don't even think he's a second guy. option. Yeah, I was just going to say I don't yeah. even think he's a second option. But look, you look at a guy like Siakam who's had the same expectations – um, in being the guy to carry a competitive team. And, you know, I just, yeah, I just think that would be a flipping of roles and maybe Ben Simmons excels in that setting where he's not getting booed every single game. See, I don't hate it. Yeah. My only concern is that they don't have a starting point guard. The Sixers? Yeah. Yeah, and that's maybe where, like, and I don't know, but, like, what does, what do they do? How do they fit? And I think it's too, makes too much sense, but where do they fit Kyle Lowry in there? Like, I think that's got to be. You're not getting Pascal and K. Lau for Ben Simmons and Hill. No, 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 no. And I'm not saying that at all because the money wouldn't work. But where, I think that's got to be their be-all and end-all is, Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry. I'd say Kyle Lowry first and foremost because of the setting, being a Philly native, um, being the guy, being a guy that has championship experience and has exercised some postseason demons, which unfortunately now the Sixers are seeing, uh, and just being that veteran voice and leader. Ultimately, I don't think Danny Green's like prolific enough to be that guy. Fuck would Danny be funny, Green. However, He's Pascal, fucking washed. Lowry and uh, Danny Green were on the same team again. On the Sixers. Oh my God! Right I feel like Joel, Joel would get like Vietnam flashbacks every time he went to practice. <laughs> yeah, he'd, 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 he'd be like, "Where's Kawhi? Where's Kawhi? I know he's here." <laughs> but it, but that, he maybe just, that's like, what'll happen. Maybe Kawhi will go to Philadelphia and they'll just put the band back together. 2019 Rap- Raptors they would win championship chips. team. They would win Philly. chips on chip. They would win chips. Chips on chips on chips. Could you yeah. imagine any point guard with Ka- Kawhi Ka- and Embiid? Ka- Leonard is like a little bit worse than Ben Simmons at defense. Like a little bit. No, he's not. I don't think. Well, he is. only only because I don't think Kawhi Leonard can card the big positions as well as Ben Simmons can. That's the only way I give Ben Simmons like a little bit of like an edge. Y- yeah, I think Ben Simmons is a little more. But the offensive. Like literally, like I was gonna say, Kawhi Leonard is literally what the Sixers wanted Simmons to be. Yeah. Yeah. 
Pretty, pretty much. Pretty I'll much. And yeah. if and I'd say if anything, despite wingspan, Ben Simmons probably has the more favorable physical tools in terms of his height and strength to then, be then then Kawhi to be a scorer. Totally, hundred percent. And that's why I said like like purely physically wise, because just because Simmons is yeah. more built to guard the bigger positions than Kawhi is. So to, think- to respond to Jake here, he says Ben's defense is overrated. I don't think his uh, defense is necessarily overrated. I think overvalued. it just doesn't outweigh the lack of offense. It's it's yeah. overvalued when you when you then you take in the rest of his game. His defense isn't yeah. overrated at all. His he he is a lights out yeah. defender. Like you put him on almost any player in the NBA, and he's got a shot of he's got a shot of shutting them down. And you can't say that about many guys. About many guys, but his offense is so terrible that it's almost starting to overshadow how good he is on defense. Yep. No, I think you. I think Luke's hit the nail on the head right yeah. there. Nothing yeah. else new, eh? No, no, that's been the story of Ben Simmons for about five years, and it will continue to be the story until I hope it doesn't. Know. Like I would Ben the Ben Simmons has the potential to be awesome, but he needed to start trying to be awesome like two years ago. Mm-hmm. No. Thibel like, will be just as good of a defender in a year no. or two. I no. love Thibel. I think Thibel is was a, one of their best draft picks, but no. I'm sorry. No, no. That's too much of a stretch. There. That's a little bit of a, of a stretch. That's to a little ex- bit of a stretch. To what extent does Thibel shoot? Because I know he shoots the ball more than Simmons, well, but like that's yes, not saying much. How well? Yeah, that's not saying much at all. Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, like fucking. I, think I shoot better than fucking. Yeah, I think like, we, everyone honestly, in this group shoots better than anyone, anyone who's ever made yeah. a three. Pretty. much. I think Dion Waiters on the Lakers last year scored scored shot better than fucking Ben Simmons. Yeah. J.R. Smith in like two bubble games made more three pointers than Ben Simmons has had in his career. You guys are gonna hate me, but Jeremy Lin in his thirty seconds in Toronto made better shots than Ben Simmons did. Oh, wow, good wow. numbers, yeah. But you can't. Yeah. My point is, you can't say Thibault's ever gonna be as good of a defensive player no. as Ben. And Simmons I love and I love Thibault. He's like probably my favorite player yeah. on the Sixers, but he's he just, de- defensively he's nowhere near what Simmons is. And this is this be- is again. This is you got you're a Philly fan and you're mad that they lost and I would be too and you're blame Ben Simmons as I would too but his his terrible offense is overshadowing his he really has a lot he's one of the most talented defenders I've ever seen when he wants yeah. to though you actually Jake made a really good point he said he only when plays he good defense to. when he wants to and I think that that's really true yeah. I think Ben Simmons is like a moody player like he either comes in wanting to play or he comes in like eh, I don't really care no. you know what I mean I've- I think we saw it, especially in the fourth quarter, like right, right in crunch time. Like we saw Kevin Herter probably make like three quarters of their shots in crunch time. Literally, and we saw Trey Young almost turn the ball over two times. And where was like Ben that? Simmons? Like, in the, yeah, and he, these Trey Young was still just fucking shooting over him. No, he wasn't. No, but Trey, no, Trey, Trey played Young, horribly. Like, almost. Oh, in, in what game? Time? Sorry, game seven. seven. In game seven. He almost yeah, turned cause... the ball over like twice. No, true. Yeah. Like and I think J- I think Jake's totally right. If Ben Simmons would do that for forty eight minutes, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about how the Sixers lost this series because of this guy. I agree. Like, or if you know he may dunk over Trey Young the odd time when it's wide open. When it's literally you know, he's got a two step jump on him, and he's not even facing him. When Trey Young, when five foot eleven Trey Young, like, let's not lie, his height's probably over. He's not over six foot man and ben yeah. simmons is like probably almost a foot taller than me and he didn't yeah. e- and he didn't even try trey young like i don't i haven't seen trey young dunk in my life 
and Trey Young's on the other side of the restricted area, which is like three feet by three feet. If Trey Young is standing on the other side, if Trey Young dunks, it's like a finger grazer. Yeah, literally. It's like he, he doesn't even get enough to like hold on. He just like grazes he, it with the tip. Does he have an NBA probably. dunk? Probably. No. No. Trey? I no, don't he so. probably does. No, I don't think so. Up. No, he definitely has no. at least one. He definitely got one no. open fast break if, and went up for a if, dunk at least if, once. If anything, he caught like Clint Capella's shoulder and got a boost as he went up. Yeah. Yeah, I only ever see Trey uh, throwing layups. Almost He's a great finisher, much. but... Almost threw my beer at the TV. I would have like I would have thrown my TV out the window. Like I would have thought my TV was showing. Or if I was a Sixers shit. fan, I would I would probably be like on my floor in a pool of beer right now if I was a Sixers fan. Yeah. The Hawks weren't even supposed to make it out of the first round. And like no. people no, and a lot of people were shocked when they beat the Sixers because Trey did turn up and the Sixers weren't or sorry, the fucking uh the Knicks, yeah. The Knicks, because that was a lopsided series from the game from the first game, and Trey Young was lighting it up or whatever. But no one gave them a chance against Philly. Nobody. No. And it was pure a lot. Ben Simmons had a lot to do with it, in my opinion. Do you do you think that and I think we, we talked about it when we saw the game, but do you think as bad as we saw Philadelphia be, do you think both of those teams were just playing for their funeral? Like playing to extend their lives, but really I think like, Atlanta was. I think, I think yeah. I, th- I think maybe if the Sixers pulled that out, they may have maybe had a wake up call a little bit and changed their game plan a little bit against the Bucs. Because yeah. the truth is, Ben Simmons can guard Giannis. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, like what better wake up call is Ben Simmons getting than all of the hate that he's getting now? All the trade rumors. God damn it. His coach came out and said, I don't think this guy can lead a championship team as a point guard. Like what more? He was never going to get. Or bad. Yeah, like Philly Philly hasn't made it out of the second round in the past four years and has made it there every single time. And really? that now that is like that is nothing compared to some other teams, but that is they're in starting its own right. That they're is starting demons. They're starting to become a lot like Portland. Like really good yep. team in the regular season and they get past the first round and then second round someone always just ends up beating them. But and at the least 2010's Raptors. But at least Portland, like at least Portland, lost to like good teams. At least Portland lost to like teams that like it could have gone either way. Like the Haw- the Sixers weren't even supposed to go past five games against the Hawks. Like no, like there was no there was no better wake up call than this for that team and for Ben totally. Simmons. And that's like that's why I think even if they had passed like. If they had gotten past the second round, you know, everyone would be thinking, oh my gosh, the Sixers made it past the second round with this iteration of this team with Ben Simmons being who he is and Joel. His name's not Glenn. I think it it is actually Gwen. Is it actually Gwen? No, it's a dog. Doc's Doc's a nickname. Oh, really? Oh, shit. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Four game sevens in a row, he's lost. But, but yeah, like with the Clippers, absolutely, that was a whole different. That's a whole different thing. The Clippers thing. went to three game sevens in a row with him? No, not three game sevens in a row, but they Oh, the but four to, in his career, right. They lost to the Nuggets in a game seven. They lost to the Spurs in a game seven. Like they the Clippers have been there before with Doc Rivers, and ultimately Doc Rivers didn't get it done, hasn't gotten it done since 2008. But this is probably, in my opinion, the last game seven that Doc Rivers should be blamed for. Because he made it yeah. work for se- he made it work for seventy two games with that team, and got them to the number one seed, and ultimately what failed him 
was the expectation that he had not say figured out Ben Simmons, but figured out how to let Ben Simmons exist in that team. And Ben Simmons ultimately let that down. And I, and I really like the point that you made. I don't know if we were on or not, but um, when you said that he doesn't let Steph or Seth Curry create his own offense, he's just a catch and shoot guy, like second, third yep. option. When like, when he's out there, he's just standing on the line waiting for shots. And that's super easy to defend. Right. So like, and Seth Curry, I think he had a lot, he has a lot of talent. And if they would have let him create a bit more of his shots or at least given him more shots to take, I think that they would have, I think if they put the ball in his hands, like a little bit more and taken some of Simmons possessions away when they, when we started to see that Simmons wasn't going to be playing offense the way we thought he was going to, I think that they would the series. The series would have been a different story. I think that's the logical avenue they have to turn to. Like, if they're just gonna say, like, okay, we're gonna keep try. Like, George Hill wasn't good enough. We're gonna look to add someone there. Um, if they say, like, if they're just gonna say, look, we gotta, you know, we gotta make these guys around these guys better, which is sensible considering how badly they got beat. Like, how badly their bench got beaten. Yeah, uh, it's it's logical enough to think that that's a possibility. But at the same time. Like your what's up, Jens Philly? Philly pulled a Philly. <laughs> what's up, yes. Jens Philly pulled a Philly? Yes, Philly. Yes, what's going on, did. Eric J. Moore? You know what? I'm gonna make a compilation video of Patrick Kane's game seven winning goal, um, Carson Wentz tearing his ACL, and um, this last Kawhi game seven, hitting, Kawhi, Kawhi hitting, hitting the, the shot. shot. And then yeah. Joel and Beats face after they lost the game, and I'm gonna send it to the OCS group chat. There just for all, just for all the Leafs slander that we've been hearing. Yeah, looks like the Simmons is finally thinking about shooting right-handed. That yeah, was it's, another it's thing like too. Two years too late. There, there are no, but there are legitimate claims that he was actually like prodded into shooting left-handed by his dad, despite doing a lot of things right-handed. Simmons Why? typically, who friggin' knows? And it, it's clear though. It's clear that like. He dribbles most. He does dribble a lot with his right hand. He is very comfortable dribbling with his right hand. And you also see in his shooting, like his left hand, it's so weird. His right hand is sturdy, and his left hand's kind of like this almost. Like it's, it's almost like it's almost like a weird like reverse thing of what Lonzo does because Lonzo like brings it across his face and then shoots it, and fucking yeah. Simmons puts it goes like that and then goes like like that almost and shoots it. It's fucking weird. Yeah, like he like puts his hand on the ball and then turns it like sideways and like it's fucking his. It's weird. It, it's, it's like Joakim. It's, it's like he Joakim has an Noah. awful throw. Yeah, it's honestly, it totally looks like Joakim Noah's, yeah. and that's not a good thing. Yeah, Brent, are you working on something there, bud? Don't no, think you're writing stuff down. I'm yeah. not writing. I'm just reading. I honestly don't think Bridgie has blinked this entire episode. Every time I look at Clem, <laughs> I just see Bridgie say background. something. Actually, can you not see me blinking? It doesn't no. look like, like it. now, now, yeah, yes, yeah. but the entire episode, every time I look up, you it's just because your eyes are so fucking big. You look like yeah, a you bobblehead. Do have, you do have big, not even you just have yeah. your your eyes are always open, like they're you never yeah, blink. Yeah. Sure, it's clear, it's clear on free, throw, free throws, hard to gain muscle memory with your offhand. Totally, yeah. yeah. If you're using one hand for everything you do, and then one hand for and then the other hand for something else, it's not going to feel natural no matter what. Yeah, like even we've seen guys like there are some decently ambidextrous players in the league like a Kyrie comes to mind is actually yeah Kyrie absolutely but another one another good example that I was thinking of was Mike Conley yeah yeah he can go both ways yeah Mike Conley can go both ways but we see it so friggin rare and we've seen it with like Tristan Thompson where he thought he was left-handed and ultimately what felt more comfortable was his right hand like we've seen it 
we've seen it with guys that are like it's a matter of comfort and does that look comfort does this look comfortable at all like dude can you imagine if there was if we see a guy in the nba that can like comfortably consistently hit shots with both hands that's like unguard that that would be like almost unguardable like if we're if we see a guy that can like at any time hit jump shots with both hands yeah literally just consistently hit shots with either hand well it's simply like it's yeah it's simply it's unguardable like it's like baseball and switch hitting like literally yeah exactly favorable matchup imagine a switch pitcher yeah there there are switch pitchers there are some there are switch pitchers yeah how do you like what do you do Well, you like, don't, right? They automatically have an advantage. And for this guy, like if there were ever to be a player that could do that, your shot creation becomes so simple. Because simply, oh, they're going to force me right? Cool, I'm going to sidestep, pull up right-handed. Literally, because like, I can shoot with I, both I think hands, it's kind of interesting matter. because I, I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't seen someone like that yet. Well, like, we've hit, we've seen lots of players hit shots with their offhands, but we've never seen a player that could shoot consistently with both yeah. hands. Larry, no, that, that's Larry what Legend. I'm saying. Yeah, Larry, Larry, Larry Bird is probably the closest we've seen to that. Yeah, hammer, ma- just, hammer, magic, hammer, magic. Larry, Larry was more like a fuck you game. Like we didn't see it from Larry because he never had to, and he was so good. Larry just, also, Larry played also, an entire game left-handed because he was bored. Yeah, against the Blazers. Larry like, literally just looks like a, like like, like a hillbilly. Mm-hmm. Like you know that picture of Steve Nash and Dirk when they're just like fucked up, and you're like you'd walk into Dallas and get thirty pieced by these two motherfuckers. That's yeah, how yeah. I feel about Larry Bird. Because like there's that picture of him leaning out of the jeep with that pedophile yeah. smile on, and you're like you'd pull up to Boston and get thirty pieced by that motherfucker because he's literally yeah. the best player on the court, and it's literally, not even close. Literally rookie year, Larry. Like uh, unreal. Like, he he is at, so underrated. Larry Bird gets at, he does not get the respect pre-game, he deserves. Pre pre I mean, he's a top against, ten player. I don't think anyone would not say that. No, but I you'd heard, be surprised how many people don't consider him a top ten player. Like yeah. you'd be you'd be surprised. I, I, I've seen him on every list I've ever seen. No, but if you just talk to like 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 a lot of people, like a lot of people forgot forget about Larry Bird. Yeah, because Larry Bird Larry Bird was so like nonchalant, but then you hear these stories about like. Literally, people call him Larry Legend because this guy would call like this guy would call his shots before MJ was calling his shots. Literally, like, yeah. La- Larry was coming into the gym and be like, "Oh man, I feel like a forty piece tonight," and then like he would drop 40 and then he'd go time. fucking do it. Like, yeah, like think yeah. about that. Like we we haven't like that's like Babe Ruth pointing into the fucking stands and smacking it to win the World Series. Like Larry was yeah. a fucking badass man. I actually fucking love Larry Bird. He's one of my like Larry yeah. Bird highlights are actually really fun to watch. Because it was literally so, back in like this, like the eighties, and they just had him creating all the offense and a bunch of tall motherfuckers around him. It was fucking yeah. awesome. No, you're totally right. So speaking on the term of badass, I want to switch over to like bum ass, and I want to talk about Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz. Can we? Because <laughs> we're going from Larry Legend to Rudy, like, and this is very similar to what Jake said about Ben Simmons. Rudy Gobert Playoff refuses. Bar. Refu- playoff yeah playoff R refuses to guard on the perimeter yeah this guy is an all-world defensive anchor and simply is willing to like listen i i got game seven stats here for you the clippers shot 13 corner threes made 13 corner threes right yeah. they were wow. they were running batum shot like 60 percent in that game from three terrence mann made five corner threes and why? Because it's very simple. They're driving, they're kicking, they're rotating, and who's running to the corner? The guy that's standing in the paint, obviously. And that's Rudy Gobert, and Rudy Gobert doesn't do that because, hey, 
he's this all-world, like, three-time defensive player of the year that, you know, feels as though he doesn't have to. And ultimately, like, most of the time he doesn't. We've seen it in the regular season. We've seen but, it in this defensive player of the year. But the Clippers, like, also, I think the Clippers move the ball better than almost any team in the NBA. Like the Clippers, the Clippers are always moving the ball. Like they, they, you know, the drill where every player has to touch the ball before you shoot. Like I feel yeah. like that's what I'm watching when I watch the Clippers play. But, but yeah, certainly without Kawhi, that's the case. But look, at the end of the day, that is five out, five small. We've seen it since. Well, the Warriors made it famous. I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I just caught on now. I know exactly what right. you're doing. We're reading, not... bro. Yeah, you're reading. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Nothing. nothing. I just nothing. Yeah. Um. The war- Go the ahead. Warriors. Back. Yeah, the Warriors made it famous, and it's clear now that traditional fives, no matter how good they can be, are getting run off the court. Rudy yeah. Gobert, sur- totally. Rudy Gobert subtracting game five. Like, because in game five, he allowed only 15% of three point attempts that his guy was shooting to go in. Subtract that game, and this dude allowed over 40% of three pointers that he was supposed to be guarding go in. Like, that's that's well above league average. Oh, yeah. And there is simply no way that the Clippers didn't go into halftime down 25. And say, hey, look, we're down 25. We're not getting anything inside against this guy. Let's just make our shots because we have some yeah. of the, like one of the better stretch fives in the league in Batum. Let's pull them out. Yeah. And they, they, they yeah, they and, just went small ball and they didn't know what to do against it. Exactly. And Rudy Gobert, like, and we see Embiid absolutely dominate smaller teams that try to do this to him, right? But yeah. Rudy Gobert is by far, no means is he a Ben Simmons in offense because he doesn't have that same type of responsibility. He's a rim roller because no. he's a traditional five. He's got a solid team around him that allows him to play his role the way he needs to play his role. It's just the Clippers literally found a way to eliminate him entirely. Yeah, and it, and it and it worked to perfection. Because if he's not on the roll, they're not. They're still not going to throw him the ball against a smaller matchup. Yeah, you got to also take in that skills. they did that without Kawhi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, literally. totally. Like Kawhi's one of those guys that hits his threes. He he he's not by any means a shot creator, but mm-hmm. he 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 he's the Clippers' best player. Is he supposed to be back for game two? No, no, he's ruled out. He's already been ruled. Out. I yeah, dude. If he doesn't come back, I think the Suns win it. If I'm because if he doesn't I, I, come I, back, Devin Booker's the best player in that series. Yeah, and it by the right now, right things, now, right now, like in these yeah. playoffs. By the th- by, the sounds of things, sorry, like Chris Paul is on a more definite timeline than Kawhi. There's yeah, because it's COVID, right? So there's like because there's there's actual there is days. a timeline. Yeah, I think that's exactly. what it is. Yeah, like, Kawhi could come back first. Kawhi could come back mm-hmm. game three and be fine. I remember when when, when when he got injured, they said he was out indefinitely, which just means until further notice. So he could be fine before game three, and they'll announce it like the day of that he's playing. Like you never know. Indefinitely just means until further notice. It pretty much just means until we say he's not. I think unless we he does have like ACL damage, I think we'll see whether he comes back or not because we know Harden played through that grade two hamstring strain. 
We're yeah. going to see how serious this injury is very shortly. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. If, if, it, yeah. if it gets past game three and he hasn't played, I th- I don't think he's playing the whole series. No. Especially, and it, honestly, like if the Suns go up 2-0 in their own building and they're going back, the Clippers are less than confident that this Suns team doesn't take one or possibly even two in their building. Because the Suns are I have absolutely no doubt in the Clippers coming back in a series after the last two series, though. But without Kawhi. Without Kawhi, it's going to be... Without like Kawhi, aperture, yeah, obviously, down yeah. to... Uh, one one game, even if it is a game seven, is a lot different than a full series. Because any team can win one game on any given night. Yeah, but th- they did win. The series was tied when Kawhi went out. Yeah, they, game, they won yeah, game he went out for games and game six. Yeah, he went out when it was yeah. 2-2, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that's still... it's that's, that's Two out of three, like that's still like yeah. it's not a full seven game series. You know what I mean? Like he's still no, I I, I know, but it was still impressive to see the Clippers take on the number one. Totally, seed. totally. But I don't think that they can do that against. No. I don't think they I, can I'm do not, that. For I'm not saying I, I don't think Suns. they can either, and that's why I said last episode that I think if the Clippers can get Kawhi back, they'll win the chip. That was what I said. The chip, the 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 Western Conference Final, probably the chip. We'd have to see. Because I, I don't think that anybody has the Hawks coming out of the East. I no, I but I, I, I think the Clippers, especially if Kawhi comes back and beat the box. They could, but I don't think it's definite. No, I'm not saying it's definite. That's my prediction. But mm-hmm. with the Clippers, it's... Like, I don't it think really, you look at the Clippers and the Bucks and go, oh, the Clippers easily win that. Yeah, because the Clippers, I mean, Kawhi's going to shut down Giannis. Yeah, but the the Bucks are dan- they've the Bucks have proven that they're dangerous, especially on the bench. They've proven it. Yeah, they've proven it. But I mean, if the Nets are fully healthy, I don't think the Bucks win that series. No. I think the other I think oh, the other oh, thing is too though is that the Bucks, the Bucks entered a series with less expectations. However, internally they also had championship expectations. The Bucks thrived under their own self pressure. Finally. They've had yeah. championship expectations for a long time. Yeah. They finally had the team. You know, circumstances went their way, but you know, even the Raptors had to have things go their way. Well, they, they really did. The they yeah, absolutely, exactly. absolutely. The, Rap- the Raptors had to. Ha- a lot of playoffs come down to luck. Yeah, Ra- exactly. I don't, I haven't seen the championship come down to luck the way that it has for the Raptors, like the way that it did for the Raptors, like ever. No. But even the even like Warriors teams, like even Warriors titles, like Kevin Love for the Warriors first chip, Kevin Love wasn't there. Uh the Cav like the Cavs had Draymond Green suspended in game five of the 2016 championship. Like there is a staying healthy is a skill. There is luck involved to it because obviously there are freak plays. But the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks have been able to stay healthy is partly is partly skill. I and agree. That, because they can, they can play in a way where they don't have to rely on one or two guys to create all the offense and to play all the defense. They have a, a really yeah. deep team, and a lot of guys can do a lot of things. And that's why I think Milwaukee is really dangerous. Yeah, And I, I think, think that the fact that they beat the Brooklyn Nets, injuries or no injuries, that shows a lot. Because they, they had Kyrie and they had yeah. Kyrie and KD for what? How many? Like at least three games, right? Three or four? When did yeah, Kyrie go out? I don't remember. Four, four games. Four games. Because Kyrie game went four. out in game five, right? Or he went out in game five? No, game four? He went out in game four because the Nets won game five on Kevin Durant's performance. Right. And then the so, Bucks yeah. won game six. So they had him at, they had KD and Kyrie for the first five games, which is tough to defend. Like, and Harden was yeah. 
was out and like there was injuries like there would have been different if there wasn't injuries obviously but they still did beat a good team in the Brooklyn Nets a team that for, they didn't no one thought they were that was they were going to beat except for, for Becca first, except for Beck and I for the first time in Milwaukee's like era of dominance with Giannis they overcame adversity they overcame a series totally. in which they were not expected to win and they were not labeled chokers, but they had been labeled chokers. They exercise demons, and I think they have a level of confidence that's going to make them dangerous. I, I, yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly what I was trying to, to the say. Championship now. I mean, they have to beat Atlanta, but yeah, they haven't think, had the easiest road. But like, no, they I'm have not the, saying they, they have had the, it. But. They have the easier matchup of the two. Yes, they do. Yeah, I think if anything, I think Atlanta, like. I think Brooklyn was probably the toughest challenge they have. Atlanta's going to be tough in their own right, but I think Milwaukee internally has figured it out, and Atlanta's going to be that stepping stone for them. I don't yeah. think I don't think that Atlanta takes more than two games from Milwaukee. No. Like I think we're seeing a complete Milwaukee team where even if they do go up 2-0, they're going to just keep putting the foot down on the snake's neck. See, I, I think that Atlanta will win probably game three and game five. I think Atlanta's going to. Sorry, I think Atlanta's going to win Game Three and Game Four, and then the Bucks are going to win one and two and four and five or three, five and six rather. I I think Atlanta will win one of their home games. I think the only time Atlanta's going to win is at home. Bucks, Bucks in five. Thank you. I like I I I like that too. Honestly, I think I don't think that the that I don't think that the Hawks take more than two games from the Bucks. I think. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I, I think if they do take one, they'll take they'll definitely take one of their home ones. I think. Yeah, definitely at least one at home. I think both. Yeah. To be honest, if they, if yeah, if gonna, they take if, both at home, if, if they're gonna win, if they're gonna win any game, it's gonna they're not gonna win a game in Milwaukee. That's basically what I'm trying to say. I don't think they win a game in Milwaukee. No, I no, that's I why I don't think it gets past Game Five is because the Bucks are more confident there than ever. Their fans are more confident than ever, and ultimately, like the Bucks have played in some pretty like tough situations. Like they had to play a Miami team that had their number. They played a much better Brooklyn team. Like ultimately the iteration that they played wasn't better, but everyone expected that Brooklyn team to beat them. I, and- I, I think that it comes down to two. I think it'll go two ways. I think that either Milwaukee wins their two for game one and game two, Atlanta wins three and four, and then Milwaukee wins five and six or Milwaukee wins one Atlanta wins two. And then Milwaukee wins the rest. Because I think if Atlanta takes one in Milwaukee, they won't win another. They won't win another so, game, period. So hear me out here. I think the only issue the Bucks might have, I don't think they will, but they could have, is that they may be on a high horse after beating the Nets, and Atlanta could stroll into Milwaukee and maybe steal game one like they did against the Sixers. Yeah, definitely. Like they could come in and steal game one or two, but then after that, it's all Milwaukee. Yeah. I think there's going to be one one game where Milwaukee yeah probably rides a high horse but I also think that there's too much momentum there it's not like they're rusty or anything it's not like they haven't played in a while they've got they're in a groove I think playing at home in front of that crowd will probably get them through one and two but I think there will be a a slip up there and I think you're right and I think it is but I think it's going to come in Atlanta and then I think it just snaps back into reality you know what I mean yeah, I'm just saying I wouldn't be overly surprised to see no. to see Atlanta maybe take game one or two. No, I, I agree with you there, Clem. 
But honestly, something that I've just thought that I've actually really enjoyed this playoffs is this is the first playoffs that I've watched that I can say, like, definitely the East has been a lot more entertaining to watch than the West has been. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree like for you. a long time, the East was boring and the West was like the, the, the games that everyone watched. But this season, it's kind of been opposite. Well, like the West has been kind of like boring and lopsided and the East has been like series have been close and uh, it's a lot of game sevens and a lot of fourth quarter comebacks and stuff. I think the West has always been that kind of slaughterhouse conference. Where yeah. Like teams one through eight have certainly been capable of causing problems for other teams. Totally. Whereas in the East, we had teams like the first round, we had teams one through four probably advance like three of the last four years or four of the last five or something. Even the like, last like clear, even the last like eight or nine years, you could sit the, you could look at the East and go like the, the one of these two or three teams is probably going to win. And most times they do. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's been a clear division. Yeah, here exactly. In the East. It but, like a lot for a lot of the years it, we, everyone knew it was going to come down to Cleveland and the Raptors and every year Cleveland was going to beat them four, two or four, one. And then like for a lot yeah. of the, a lot of the time that was it, but it's actually really nice to see the East. It, like, it was a lot of the same. Everything. Exactly. And, and honestly, that era of the NBA was a lot of the same. It was Cleveland. Then it was, it was Cleveland. Then it was golden state for a lot of years there. I don't know. It's just nice to see the East teams. Like I love, I've loved watching Atlanta. I've, I know I've said it before, but I've gained a lot of respect for Atlanta as they've gone on. I loved watching all the game sevens. They've been fucking awesome. The, I think the East has been sweat the sick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the West has had its adventures too this off season. Obviously, with uh, the Upsets. Clippers, the, the the Clippers coming back 0-2 twice in a series. That's pretty fucking impressive. Um, the Suns upsetting the Lakers. I mean, I'm sorry, Luke. I I enjoyed no, watching was, that. No, it was it was it was interesting. It was definitely you definitely like upsets are fun to watch, right? Like unless you're the team that's getting upset, right? Yeah, and, and it's nothing against the Lakers, but I was happy to see. That's I was happy to see Atlanta win purely because they were fucking because they were the lower seed and they were the upset, and everyone loves an upset, right? Yeah. Well, it's a lot more fun watching fan bases after an upset, too. Exactly. <laughs> especially if they're Philadelphia. Yeah, especially for the franchise that throws pop. Dude, I I have not seen this many jersey burning videos since the Leafs, since since wow. Vancouver or the Leafs. Yeah. And you can pick a year for the Leafs, man, honestly. <laughs> Literally, the Leafs jersey pick, sales are only just, probably number one in the league for the fact that everyone has to buy a new one every year. Pretty much. Because everyone burns them like, oh, I'm fucking done. And then fucking October Three comes around later. and they're like, ah, eh, fuck. <laughs> Here we Listen, go. I guess I'm getting back on the horse. It's like, watch actually, this, I'm not going to say that. Watch the Sixers spend like more money than just about any team like this offseason just because they have so many fans burning jerseys and they just get like this massive influx of jersey sales. I bet they will. They 100% will. Because you know what? The only teams that burn jerseys are the ones that are the most loyal fans, which is the most ironic part about it. Yeah. No, you're not wrong there. Because they get the most heartbroken when their team loses. A- exactly. But then they just buy jerseys again. Exactly. Which is pretty fucking dumb in my opinion. I think every And that's that's why I've fan. never burned mine because I've always had yeah. like a really I've had I've been really tempted every year, but then I'm like, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in the same spot next year cheering for the Leafs, so like there's no fucking point. Yeah. I think I think too, like the other thing about loyal fan bases is uh a lot of it, not to say like the Leafs or the Sixers weren't contenders, but I think a lot of it is like can be very, very overblown. Like for definitely from my perspective, I don't think 
I think, yeah, this is Lily's best best opportunity to win a cup this year. But I think there were several teams, a few teams out there that were probably better than these guys. And I think I think Philly was kind of in the same boat. Like the Brooklyn Nets team is definitely better than them. I thought Milwaukee would give them a good test, if not beat them. And I certainly think there are teams at West that would uh, that would give the Sixers trouble. And that's why I think like there sometimes can be a false narrative, especially from loyal fan bases around some of these teams where expectations do become a little bit over overhyped. And then the disappointment just becomes that much more uh, magnified because of those failed expectations. That's why I kind of, at this point, when it comes to the Leafs, especially, I know it's not really a basketball conversation. I'll, I'll hype them up, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, ah, it's just another year of Leafs fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I'm not surprised when they lose anymore. No, I'm like, I'm sad and I'm heartbroken and I'm pissed off. But at the end of the day, I'm not surprised. Yeah. There's always that little, there's always that feeling, no matter how good the team is, that it's going to happen. And then every year it fucking happens. Yeah. Um, okay. So in saying that, um, we're getting a little bit late into this one, but the, uh, I, I really don't have anything else. Um, I do want to talk about the worst contracts in the league um, a little bit, kind of to close out the show. I think that's all we got left. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, Beck. But no, I think if you if you want to get into it, like now is a good time to get into it with a lot of teams moving into their off season. We've already yeah. seen a swap of bad contracts, uh, and I think like for especially for contenders, um, that is kind of the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Uh, there is that uh, that onus to shake some of these bad contracts because some of these bad contracts do exist in places where uh, they can be burdens on a team. Detrimental. So yeah. Say, yeah, so when we say that, I think we're going to look at most detrimental contracts to a team because there are arguably some good players on here on these lists that we have that simply just – not arguably, there's good players on this list. No, no, like there are, yes, but there are good players that are detrimental to their team despite their impact on the court because of what the money they make off the court, simply put. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I have Beck's list in front of me, um, and I, I pretty much agree with his list if we're talking about the most detrimental contracts. I, I'm not going to try and vary it too much. Personally, I think John John Wall, who you have number one back. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's. I think we have to see what he does. We saw what he does. He played a full yeah. season. He took. He's not. Off. He's not getting. He, any I don't younger, think he was hundred percent this season. But he's not getting any younger, man. John, he's been. He's been injured for what two years now? Three yeah. years. When we yeah. say detrimental, it's because no one is trading for John Wall. That is stuck. You are not getting out of that yeah. unless you want to buy that out and bite that bullet. For unless, seven unless, years. unless he somehow has some amazing fucking season next year and they can deal him. But I don't see that happening. No, not in that situation. Unfortunately, like his contracts were just too big. Yeah, and that's kind of why like it's more detrimental more than anything, because the onus is that he is just running out spending his running out his days on this contract and after that he'll be chasing mid levels. Like that is a contract you can't And he knows that. that. And he knows that. 
Yeah, and I think he does. But I, you know, I'd like to see him, you know, come out with a something to prove. Like I certainly think he did this year, and I certainly think with like a torn Achilles, it does take time. But honestly, like the narrative there is just, yeah, that is you're you're handcuffed. You can't move that unless it's for someone else that's on an equally bad contract. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm just saying I'm not sure it's the end of the line for John Wall yet. No, but in terms of like he's not getting dealt on this contract, he's he's stuck there, right? Like that's that's just a bad contract for a team to have right now. Uh, yeah, Does, I I agree. It's just at this point, I don't think Houston really has any intention of no. being a contender or going out and trying to be a contender until that contract's up. I don't know when it run. When does it run through? So he's got another two years on it for a total of ninety seven ninety one point seven million. Yeah, so, it's a brutal contract, but for the Houston Rockets, I don't, I don't think it's the most detrimental because they can't really do anything either, anyways. Like they're not in a no. s- position to succeed. But so, like for me, this is the only one that I might lower like quite substantially on my list, just because I don't think it makes a detrimental change to the team because there's no chance they're contending anytime soon, anyways. I think the only thing is, though, is like when we say detrimental, you put that guy in any other situation, and that absolutely just handicaps the team. Like no, I put, agree, you, but I'm just saying in yeah. in the current situation, it it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, but on a non like in a non team by team basis, that would easily far and away for that player be the most detrimental contract. Yeah, so contract so when I, when I'm thinking of most detrimental, I'm thinking most detrimental to their team to their, right now to their team. But yeah, like if you. Let's say, like, we just saw what happened with Kemba and Horford, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. But if you put John Wall on the Celtics, like, if that was John Wall filling Kemba's role on the Celtics, making the money that John Wall does, like, the Celtics are fucked, plain and simple. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely, and I I totally agree. My my whole point was I would put him lower on the list just because he's not that detrimental to the Houston Rockets. No, no, you're right. I tried to look at it more from a neutral perspective, but yeah, no, in that situation, it's not as bad. You're you're totally right on that one. Um, I think, at number two, you have Al Horford. Yep, Al Horford. Uh, basically, his numbers look like he's got two years left at fifty three point five million. Uh, the only thing about Al Horford, and the reason I put him at number two, despite partial guarantees, we'll talk about in a minute, is his age. This guy is like a seven foot center at age 35, right? You're making 27 odd million this year, uh, probably even more than that. And look, that guy was just there to fit the floor for the Thunder. And now yeah. at least he has a role. But that's that's a guy who was traded for another bad contract in Kemba Walker. He's not, you know, that's just, that's another guy who's passed the value of his contract now. Yeah, but I think Philly really put a dent in his value. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think Boston would have given him something similar, but that's just that's an age thing, and that that's just what it is. But it looks better, at least for the Celtics, and the fact that only in his last year of his contract, which will be twenty twenty two twenty three, he's only guaranteed fourteen point five million of that contract of that year, uh, and then basically it's another. 12.5 million or so roughly around that if they make the finals and win the finals ultimately. So it does give them a little bit of flexibility next year when Marcus Smart does become an un, like a free agent, but then again, that's that's a contract that's just yeah, that's you're not getting 27 and a half million worth out of that guy. No. 
No, absolutely not. There's there's a lot better players in the league for that price. And I, I agree that this one is definitely detrimental. And it was definitely detrimental to the Thunder considering he wasn't even playing. Well, they, yeah, they sat the guy. The only benefit was is that he was like he was detrimental because he was taking up development time for them. But the only benefit was is he's eating up calf space because the Thunder just have it in leaps and bounds, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, they they and no and, and the Thunder's only gonna have young talent in the next five years. Like they're only yeah. gonna have young talent unless they trade some of it away. But as Other it stands right now, exactly as it stands right now, in the next five years, this the. Of fucking Oklahoma is going to be full of young talent. Yeah, yeah, the sixth graders are rolling in soon. Exactly. Yeah, it kind of Al Horford is one of those old guys, but another one that is very, very similar to that is what I have at number three in Kevin Love. Uh, good player in his own right, but ultimately injuries have just kind of caught the best of him. But he's also gotten the best of him. But he's also now just in a situation where it's it's empty production, right? And he has struggled with his health. But it's yeah, you're not you're not moving Kevin Love for thirty million. He's past the point where he can be a solid third option on a championship team, and at thirty million, that just doesn't happen anymore with the way contracts are in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, uh, number four, I have. Uh, and oh, Brent, before, I don't know. How be, I, before we move into number four. I just yep. want to make it make a point that like some of these guys have earned these contracts. Oh, absolutely! Uh, like e- even though they're not necessarily as serviceable as they used to be, uh, like Kevin Love won chips for that team. Yeah, and that and no, that there is something to be said for that in guys getting paid for what they've done for the team in the past when their team yeah. isn't when a team's no longer a contender, they can kind of just throw money at these guys to thank them. Per se. The re- the reality of it is is that's the going rate for stars in the NBA. The Clippers are going to be paying Paul George forty five million when he's thirty eight years old. That's the going rate for stars at this point because that's yeah. what it takes to sign them. Because other teams are going to do the exact same thing. Because and players at- are players are smart now. Like players yeah. know that they're worth that much money. And they know that they can get it no matter where they and go. And it's long term security, right? And the other exactly. thing is, too, is like when Russ signed his extension, he was. Three years ago, he's 29 years old, you know, coming off like MVP caliber seasons with the Thunder, averaging triple doubles. That guy more than deserves his contract, right? Yeah. Like for the impact he had on that team, absolutely. But the, that, that's the reason some of these contracts, yeah, the reason some of them are so detrimental now is because ultimately they pay the price for these stars and they just age bad because that's just what happens, right? And we'll see it down the line. We'll see more guys, more and more guys down the line with these kind of contracts. That's why you see a lot in basketball where once their old guys age, they're out of their, they don't, there's no chance of contention. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. Like your, your contracts up and your rank chasing, right? Like, yeah. So saying in saying that number four is Russell Westbrook. Uh, he's got on the books for another two years at $91.3 million. Originally signed a five-year, $205 million extension. And, and he's another one of those guys that earned that contract. Yeah. Like, no, he earned that contract. He earned that contract, and he's just, he's gotten older, and his game's decreased. Well, like, he's been, putting, he put up fucking insane numbers this year, yeah. but his game is, it's decreased definitely. But he earned that contract, but. He'll be there or, until the end of his contract, and then he'll chase minimums if he doesn't retire. One, one really like good I, thing with him, though, is he adapted to. Yeah, he did. Too, right? Totally. 
I honestly just think that a lot of the guys on this list, ex- except for a few, are guys like Westbrook that are, were good, earned their contracts, and then just got old or have yeah. gotten older and decreased a little bit, and then are going to be chasing minimums when their contract's done. So the thing about Russell Westbrook is, though, is that Russell Westbrook isn't a bad player. Not at all. No, no by no means. It's more of a, it's more of like a future lens in the contract that look the way the game, the way Russ plays the game, and the way his body has aged health wise. It's inevitable that there's going to be a physical drop off where he can't do that stuff, and that's why this contract may look bad. Like it looks bad now because in two years, chances are this contract will look terrible. Yeah, and that's just it, the reality. It look of bad it. at the time, but I think everyone understands why he has it. Like he, he oh, earned that money. Yeah, no one's questioning why he got that money, but it's the same thing as a lot of people were saying when Chris Paul got his deal, got traded to the Thunder because he made a crap ton of money. The guy still deserves like his money and is probably going to go sign another seven figure set, like seven figure contract or like nine figure contract after his deal after he opts out this year. But the fact is, is that while they look good in the present, a lot of these deals look just end up being bad in the future because these players, like Luke said, are smart and know how to set themselves up. Yeah, no. no and honestly, they have the right to set themselves up because the professional athlete, being a professional athlete, is a career where you could literally get injured and not have a career to come back to. Like you need, like yeah. they they want to grab as much job security as they possibly can while they can, because even if they don't get injured, they're gonna get old and they're eventually not gonna be able to play the way that they do when they're making these millions the, the, of dollars. Their careers are shorter than ninety five percent exactly. of professions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So like you should yeah. you want to grab all that money and job security oh. that you can while you can, because sooner or yeah. later you're not gonna be able to. And it's not a slight to any of these players. Like pretty much all of these players deserved what they got. It's just. You know, they look bad now because, you know, we're I think everyone on some this list pretty much deserves it. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, well, we'll get to it later, but I think there are a couple guys that don't deserve it. Number five, I have Kemba. Obviously, we talked about the Kemba Horford trade. Yeah, I know, like, the money is more in Kemba's deal, but there's also a good chance that at Kemba's age, there is a chance that it's just health and he's got good basketball left in him. Yeah, do I think his game's going to age well? Probably not. He's undersized, and he relies on a lot of athleticism and lateral movement, which takes a toll on his knees. But at the same time, he's 31 years old. Like, he's a lot younger than some of the guys on this list. He's still definitely got good basketball in him, and we saw it with Chris Paul that OKC has developed a good situation for these guys to rehab their value. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. No totally. question. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see him like off this list in, you know, a few months. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him flip to a contender for the last year of his deal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Never know. I think so. Number six, I have Gordon Hayward. And this is one I'm a little less favorable on. And that's, because, I think that's purely because of injuries, though. Because when Gordon no, Hayward plays, he he's really good. Yeah, but, but that. That's it, but we won't see what we saw from Gordon Hayward in Utah. We're not gonna that that guy's no, gone. No. And it's not his fault, but it's just he had a terrible run with injuries. And unfortunately, some of those injuries were absolutely huge. And in a league like the NBA that's getting faster all the time, it's detrimental. Right? So like while it looks There's good now to have there. No, exactly. And while it looks good now, like being a veteran leader, like he's filling a solid role for the Hornets, but like, is, is, do you really think anyone was going to toss 30 million at him? Like at the time when he hit free agency, was anyone going to toss 30 million at him? 
I personally don't think so. No, and I think he fills a good void for Charlotte. But the guy's like, you know, the guy's probably ahead of his time in terms of like physical decline. And it's just gonna, you know, it's not gonna age well. It's not gonna age well. And it's just, it's not his fault, but it sucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That said, moving on, I have number seven as uh, Andrew Wiggins, actually, which is, in my opinion, Brent, and we said a lot of these guys did deserve their contract. I don't think Hayward deserves his no. contract, and I definitely don't think Wiggins deserves no, his contract. No, I agree. I, I said I meant most. Yep. Like a majority. But this guy was overbilled from day one, was inefficient as fuck, was handed too much responsibility, and ultimately they banked on potential and never got it. And he just yeah. that never he won't live up to that contract. I wouldn't be surprised to see him. We get, don't like, think he we don't think he will. No. There's always but, a chance, but like it doesn't look like it will. No. I think yeah, that said. Um, you know, he's still got time to side. He's 25. Uh, and he's got, I think it's two years left on that deal now. Uh, but another, he hasn't one even that, entered his prime yet, really. No, no, exactly. But he's one of those guys that feels like he's been around forever at this I, point. I, yeah, you know it does. I mean? But at the end of the day, he, he did win the rookie of the year. And he's not a yeah. bad player. No, by he's no not means. a bad player at all. No, he's not. I just but think does he, he deserve was... the contract? Is... Yeah. No, no, yeah, the no. Of it, right? We're just defending him a little bit because he does deserve a little defense, and he he, he deserves some money, maybe not that much. Of course, that's debatable, but he definitely deserves a half decent contract because yeah. he's a good player. Like, like I re- I respect the shit out of Andrew Wiggins. I think he's he gets hated on a lot for how like he's averaged twenty five points a, points a game his whole career, or at least no, he's never he's averaged like under twenty. No. I literally yeah. saw a stat like last season that he's he never averaged, averaged on his career high average is twenty two. This year he averaged eighteen. That's still not bad though. No, by no means is it bad. On a team with like, Steph Curry. Rookie yeah, on a rookie max extension. Obviously it didn't come from the Warriors, but like the guy was inefficient in his time with Tim with Minnesota. Obviously he had more That's offensive. That's also Minnesota though. Like they were expecting no. to be the guy in Minnesota. Minnesota's like I get that, but at the, the end of the day, we're talking. This... We're talking about a team that was Zach Levine was too was was like considered I, not okay. good enough. So for. I I could tell you right now that I would not be overly surprised to see Minnesota not in the league in a decade. Nah, in a decade maybe, but I don't know. They've they've been around for a long time and they do have a fan base this, despite their yeah. their. The, and the other thing to speak on is that Zach Levine went to the Bulls and was disgusting. If Andrew Wiggins went to a team that didn't have glorified superstars. He could be good. Yeah, he, I think he's. he's I, I think he's a solid third option on the Warriors right now. To be I, honest, I, I with think you. so too. But I, I think he could go somewhere and be a number one option if he, he'd have to step up. But I think he could do it, like Zach at Levine end, did. At the end of the day, is anyone going to take on this like thirty-five million dollar a year contract? No, and that's why it's so detrimental. Is because he's being overpaid to fill a role that unless he, he went to a bad team, they might. Yeah, but what what bad team is going to – like? because then you have to match salaries too. So the Warriors who are trying to win championships, are they really going to go trade them for like maybe Robert Covington and like Norman Powell or something like that? Like no, obviously I, I not. I take that. I don't even think the Blazers would offer it to be honest with you. I don't I'm think so either. Just... That's why I said I would take that. <laughs> 
I'm just pulling names out of a hat though. Like you get, you get what I'm saying is that he was paid a contract to be much more than he is. And at this point that is super, that is star level money. And that's, that's not what he is. He's an, he's a valuable role player, but valuable role players don't make 45 million over like, sorry, no, like 32 and a half million over every year for the next two years. That's just not it. He's just being paid too much to fill that role. And it's not that like in two years, if he goes and signs with like the Rockets or something that he doesn't explode an expanded role, he just wasn't ready for that contract when he got it. No, I, I totally and, agree. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I, no. I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a really good career somewhere. Yeah. I just, Again, he's not he's, in his prime. I'm not saying you no. deserve that money. I'm just saying he's, he's hardly great was, to what he could be. It was before his time. And unfortunately he's been in the league almost seven years. Like at what point are we talking about missed potential over potential that's still there? Right. So uh, if I'm looking at my list, number eight, uh, another one of those guys, I think this was more of like a situation where they wanted to keep him. And I, Tobias Harris, I think, I think uh, five years, 180 million for a guy who's supposed to be third option in your team. Like, and just hasn't been over, like is now the second option, obviously, but for a third option at the time, not exactly smart team building. I don't know what he was going to get out there, but I don't think five years, 180 million for a guy who shot maybe has never shot over 40% from three in his career. and probably hasn't shot over 50% in his life. Probably not the smartest move. No, uh, I agree, but he, he is a big part of that team. Yeah. And then lastly, two guys, like two guys that fill roles. I think Draymond and number nine, like Draymond just doesn't put up the kind of counting stats. Yeah, he's vital to the Warriors, but I don't think anyone else has taken on that contract. What is his contract again? His contract is three years, 77.5 million. So not the worst contract on there. See, I don't, a- I don't hate this because one, he deserves it yeah. for what he did on absolutely, that absolutely. Two, he's still a really, really productive guy on that Warriors team, and I think he's the second yeah. most important piece, even when Clay's there. But do you think he would be that important somewhere else? I think he's a no, but I don't think it matters. I, no, no, I don't think so either. But for the Warriors, I don't think it's a detrimental contract. But if this, this is the one on your list that I don't agree with, like yeah, honestly, I'm going to agree with Clem on this one. That's not enough money for someone yeah. who's done so much for that team that that's a detrimental contract. Yeah, I think, it, and I he's think still he doing it. It's not money. like he's a, it's not yeah. like he's a liability. No dead ass. Like he's no. like he's not doing he's not doing badly enough where like he's ma- he's not making too much money to where his play is bad enough that he shouldn't be making yeah. that much money with the stuff he's already done for that team. I don't think that's a detrimental contract at all, do, to be honest. Do with I you. think he deserves the money? Yeah, but he's a player who excels in the system, and I don't think they would find any value trying to move him if they ever thought about it. I don't think that's so either, but I don't think that means it's a detrimental contract just for the fact that it's Draymond Green. He he's basically the quarterback of that offense. Yeah. He's worked his ass to get up. No, get he up he is too. a court. He is the quarterback of that offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just that's just my opinion, guys. You don't have to. Yeah, I totally agree. Just, but if if I said something like I, that, you guys would. I, I would say that I I would say that he's more of the center 
than the quarterback, just because Steph, I, I would say Steph is the quarterback. I don't but I know, but I see what you're saying. He's a team leader, and he yeah. can run, he he runs a part of the offense he, really well. But I I think Steph runs that whole offense. I think. Lastly, I, but but Mac, but I, I see what you're saying, Mac. I see yeah. what you're saying, but but at the end of the day, I think he deserves it more than. And, and, and this is kind of the one where I'm like, okay, this isn't really a detrimental contract for the fact that, I mean, compared to the other ones on the list, Kemba Walker, Kemba's like, not doing really, what he did when he got the contract. Draymond is still pretty much doing what he did, and I, he's going to continue doing that. I think the point that Beck's trying to make is that the contract would be a detrimental air In the league? Somewhere to else? A, to, to a different yes. team, yes. Yeah, to a different team, the, yes, it's but the not league, to the Warriors. But so, not so to no, the Warriors. So that's no, that's where I kind of don't like this list. Be like where I disagree with this list because it, it's all situational. You could argue a lot of contracts are good contracts because yeah, of where they are. But a lot of the stuff that we talk about is situational. A lot of the like no no I get that. But like, I, I'm saying yeah sure. If we're saying he's on a different team, if you throw him on the Pelicans or uh, anywhere else, sure. But it's not a detriment to his team. He's not. It's the same thing you said about John Wall, and that the fact it's not detrimental because the war that the Rockets have no need for contending. But do I think that Draymond Green would fetch that kind of money on an open on the open market? No, no of course not. We're not, not saying that. And the reason why I put it as detrimental is because te- he deserved the money. Is it an overpay in hindsight? Yeah, because would anyone else pay him anywhere that anywhere near that kind of money anywhere else in the league? No, I don't think it's an overpayment. For a team like the Warriors, where they need the cap, they need the cap space more than anyone because they have record high luxury, like luxury tax bills. Yeah, they they overpaid Draymond. He deserved it, but they're just they're footing a larger bill because of it. It's probably unnecessary to a small extent. Sure, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to leave it at that because this is getting a little bit longer winded. Uh, And your last two are what Harris and. Buddy Heald. No, last one. Last one's Buddy Heald. Did we just already talk about Harris? Uh, yeah, we already talked about Harris. Okay, it was just brief then. My bad. Yeah. Okay, so Buddy uh, Heald. Yeah, I agree with this Buddy one. Heald, three years, seventy-eight million. Just too much for a guy who just shoots threes and doesn't really yeah. do anything else, right? Especially yeah. on a team that's not that great. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Kind of. He's a glorified role overbuild. player. I like yeah, him, just but he's a glorified overbuild. role player. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so in saying that, uh, I want to give a shout out to our network over at old city sports. Uh, lots of great content over there. Go check it out for podcasts like ours, including flyers alley backstabbers wrestling, the three pointer and the dusty buttes. You can also check me out live every day, starting up again, probably this Wednesday. Um, that's called dropping the mics. Check out all the shows. Um, leave some constructive criticism, like it, share it. Uh, again, we don't want your money. We just want you to share shit. Um, and that's how we can keep bringing content to you guys and, uh, hopefully grow this into something more. Um, so if you, if you enjoyed this, I appreciate if you leave like share it to your friends, uh, shout it at the top of the mountain if you'd like to, but, um, once again, appreciate you guys as always. And in saying that that is our show for today. Uh, our schedule is now Monday and Friday. Uh, likely around 7 38 p.m. every time. Um, so, in saying that, thanks, guys. And to you boys around here, cheers. Cheers, cheers. lads. Cheers. <laughs>